Hey there, welcome you to episode 208 of Riot Act. It's me, it's me, Stephen Hill. Oh my god, I can't believe it's actually me here in the flesh. Uh, I'm less excited and uh, less surprised to see this little rat, Sam Slight, hanging around again. Look at you hanging around the place, Sam, like a bad smell. Stinking <laughs> it up. Thanks for being here, mate. It's all right. Much appreciated. Back like scoliosis. <laughs> Uh, back like a vertebrae oh yeah i mean that's the superior but we'll get to that i think we'll get to that. we will get to that you're right mate how you doing i'm well thank you mate yes i'm all right i've got a, a nice little uh week of gigs running up uh so as we record tomorrow we'll be seeing machine head in a monomath and then i'm doing two nights of godflesh so i'm uh pleased as punch at the moment lovely stuff do you know what i was meant to go to see cancer bats last night but I had to interview Steve Aoki, superstar oh. DJ Steve Aoki. And he's got a sore throat. How do you get a sore throat from playing records? <laughs> Easily done, I think. You idiot. Well, yeah, well, you know, you'd yeah. be singing along to them in the booth, wouldn't you? And you haven't got a mic, so you can just absolutely belt it out like I do. That is true. All the time, basically. Mm. Oh, I'm glad you're here now. I know you've cleared that up. That is good. <laughs> uh, and so I was like, well, I can't get to Cancer Bats that night. And then tonight, as we record on Wednesday, Cancer Bats are doing their second night in London. I was mm. like, I'll definitely go to that. Just had an email. I've got another interview to do. Do you know who it is? It's bloody Brandon Boyd from Incubus. Oh, we good, to. good. So, good. So, Steve <laughs> Oakey and Brandon Boyd stopping me from seeing Cancer Bats. The shit. Livid. Absolutely, absolutely furious. So, there'll be no traditional live reviews this week. Although, Sam, next week we'll be going to a few things. But that's next week. That's next week. On this week's show, we're going to be talking about some new music from Parkwood Drive, from Holy Fawn, from The Bug, from Stray From The Path. We'll also be talking about The Massive. You asked for it and two people replied. Well, I say I asked if you wanted it and two people replied. So fuck it. We're going to do it. <laughs> I went to Clash at the Castle at the Principality Stadium in Wales to see some the wrestling, the grappling. Wrestling. Wrestling. I mean, it's going to be a bit of a different old... Uh, story with that one i reckon because i don't really know i know about music i don't know about wrestling it's fucking sure michael's in there i am fucking clueless don't know anyway we'll be talking about that and we have a new sort of feature sort of thing uh that we are calling the guilt trip now there's no such thing as a guilty pleasure but we are given the case for the defense for two so-called potential guilty pleasures mm. here on the show which we'll get to we pick one each so there you go before we go any further give a little shout out to our patreon page patreon.com forward slash right act podcast that is full steam ahead with stuff if you want to sign up for any amount you can get a rioters review you can suggest an album that uh, will get reviewed at some point hopefully theoretically on uh, on a rioters review sam and i just did one on the debut album pain by dub war earlier this week from 1995 dub war a band who i liked Back in the day, Sam, first time ever listening to Dub War, wasn't it? It was the day that we decided we were going to record. It was the first time I'd ever listened to Dub War. And uh, yeah, great. Really, really impressed by that album, actually. And uh, I think one of the key things I found was that it really doesn't feel like it's dated, which so many albums, well, from every decade can. But yeah, I'd say if you haven't listened to Dub War, I mean, sign up for the Patreon and listen to our review of it and then go and listen to Pain by Dub War. Or listen to it and then listen to our review and then listen to it again to see if we were right. No. G like. Give Steve some money no. first, I think. So, <laughs> yeah, only a quid. Come on, <laughs> mate. Uh, also, uh, if you want to sign up for more than that, for the five pound a month tier, you can sign up for our classic album Patreon page. You get two classic albums a month. I just put up a tweet this morning as we record with the next amount of 
classic albums that we're going to be doing. So the first one, I know I've been teasing De La Soul for a bit. There's quite a lot going on that De La Soul record. So I've had to kind of like inch that back a bit. And instead, it's been tagged in by different class, by Pulp. So that should be the next classic album, which it should be. Uh, we haven't actually recorded it yet. So I'm not going to tell you exactly what's going up. But some point of the weekend, I imagine. And then from then on, it should be kind of business as usual with a classic album every other Wednesday and a variety of view at the weekend. That's what I want to try and do as well so different class by pulp which i know you're a fan oh of. yes lovely stuff yes very much looking forward mm, to that good good bloody record that but we can't go any further oh, i should say patreon.com just in case you missed it patreon.com forward slash right out podcast you can't go any further without mentioning the big story on planet earth and it, it's not really a music story but it's sort of a musician involved in it and it's a musician who you love sam you love him you want to suck his nipples until they fall off i have said that Harry several Stone. times that is true <laughs> you have said that i have private recordings of sam <laughs> saying this about harry styles um gonna leak it harry like styles. olivia wilde's tapes i will yeah <laughs> good um yeah, Don't Worry Darling is a, a film that stars Harry Styles, mm. which was premiered this week in Venice. And Harry Styles seems to... Does he gob on... Does he spit on Chris Pine? So Chris Pine's the actor who's his sort of like co-star. And he turns up for the premiere and sits down. And before he does, he appears to sort of... I think it's nothing comes out of his mouth, but he appears to spit on Chris Pine, which is so fucking punk rock. We knew Harry Styles was <laughs> a punk rocker down below somewhere. Um, that's a mad thing to do. Just flop on someone's lap. It's absolutely bizarre. And yeah, as you say, kind of, it, it doesn't seem apparent that anything actually came out of his mouth. And I think probably like me, you did maybe a little bit too much looking at it than you really should have done. It should just be a kind of like celebrity gossip story. But, you know, I, I looked at the people doing their frame-by-frame frame analysis and all that, and uh, there's no gob, but then the people sort of saying, oh, he just forgot where his sunglasses were. It's like, you wouldn't stop clapping and look at your lap like that. Like, I don't know what's going no. on, but yeah, interesting. Chris Pine, of course, was looking sad and a bit weirded out when Harry Styles was going, it's a movie. <laughs> it's, a, it's just like a movie that you go to the theatre to watch a movie. Like, it's a sort of film that you go and you you watch a movie. And I did sort of listen to that and I thought, oh, this is what happens, I suppose. Like, no shade. We were very, very complimentary mm. about the Harry Styles record. I've been listening to it a lot. I think it's great. I still listen to it all the time. It's great. You've got it on uh, Spatial Audio on Apple Music. You listen to that version? I have of it? indeed, well, yes. That, that, yeah, yeah, it's very good. It's a little um, buffet for the ears. Music is. for a sushi restaurant, you might say. Music for a, for a sushi buffet restaurant in your ears. And it's really good. Uh, but this thing where you get like a sort of dopey kid from a boy band mm. and then give him some good songs to work with and let him have a little bit of tinkering and then go, you should be in films as well, you beautiful thing. And then you expect him to be like the new David Bowie and you just hear him going, oh it's a film to watch in the, the movies it's a movie to watch in the cinema for a movie and you go ah oh, yeah never forget just because he dresses funny just because he's got a like a girl's scarf on and a blouse and a pair of high heels doesn't necessarily mean he's prince well 
quite, yes. Um, I mean, I particularly feel bad for Chris Pine in that clip because uh, I didn't realise until, well, until Twitter told me. I mean, it could all be bollocks, but kind of funny to think anyway. Apparently, Chris Pine has a, a degree in English literature from Berkeley University, and he's sitting there listening to a man saying, oh, the great thing about this film is that it's a movie, like one of them movies you go and watch in the cinema. It's like, oh, Brilliant. He's like a character from The Fast Show. <laughs> As if that character from The Fast Show was really, really, really sexy and had a pretty good singing voice and they dressed him up like a sort of, like your mum. Like a kind of, your mum going out on a Friday <laughs> night ten, year, 10 years ago. Yeah. Then that's Harry Styles, except his album's quite good as well. Mm. So I think it's kind of, it was just interesting because the people... The, will obsess over shit like that and i found myself going because at first i watched it when he spat in his lap and i was like what am i even watching Mm. i don't even i I completely missed it and then when they slowed it down and you saw chris pine doing it and i was like oh he definitely does his lips purse and then chris pine stops just is it invisible spit it just is harry styles that beautiful is he too beautiful (laughs) to have saliva visible saliva and maybe that's what it is i don't know but um yeah, certainly uh, the biggest story involving a musician this week. And I'd say probably the stupidest as well. Uh, I'd argue for the most important. I think these are things we really need to get to the bottom of. Uh, get VAR on that. F- football <laughs> in it. So, you know. Football. Uh, VAR would probably send off Chris Pine for uh, for something that he did five minutes before. Mm. Hey, take that, Dermot Gallagher. Um, and Mike Dean and all you idiot referees. Let's not talk about VAR. Anyway, that happened. More importantly, really. Now, I went to Clash at the Castle, but talk about a real clash. There was that. And at the same time, also, there was the Wembley Stadium Taylor Hawkins Memorial Tribute Concert, right? Um, which, sadly, you know, I've watched bits and bobs of on the internet. Uh, I would have liked to have tried to go to mm. this, but got offered got offered like actual work to go to the wrestling so i sort of had to go to the wrestling but i did look at the set list in the aftermath of it and i know people shout out i I say i know people i know person rich hobson over at metal hammer who is a lovely man and i trust him implicitly and uh he said it's the best gig he's ever been to a friend of mine a very good friend of mine guy called tom lewis um I'm starting to get into the convention of using people's full names, a la Stephen Hill. Uh, but my mate Tom... Yeah, do that. I think it's the best thing you can do. It's the best thing you I can agree, do. I agree, because that way there's just no confusion whatsoever. Because there's no... You can go and... You can look that person up on the internet and you can find them on Twitter or Facebook. And you can, and you can confirm yeah. what they're actually like. Yeah, but yeah, my mate Tom uh, went and he was, um, he was sort of live... I don't know, live tweeting it to me kind of thing. He was sending me messages on Facebook Messenger while he was at the show. Um, and yeah, I, uh, his his assessment was pretty much the same as Rich's, which is he thinks it's the best thing he has ever seen. And it's going to take some top in. And I, I imagine we're about to go into the set list. And yeah, based on the set list, we can't really argue with a lot of it. I think you can argue with any of it, really, well, can you? Not any of it. A Gallagher was there, wasn't there? So. Oh, come on. I mean... Rock and roll star into Live Forever with Liam, Foo Fighters with mm. Liam Gallagher, as an opening to a concert is mad yeah, good. Uh, mad good. Like, I'm sorry, but it is. Like, Rock and Roll Star is a banging opening track. And I saw Liam at, um, at Royal Albert Hall earlier this year, and he played Live Forever. And it was on the day that Taylor mm. died. 
it had Taylor's picture up behind it and it was very moving it was very good so I'm going to say that that is an awesome way to start I've also seen Nile Rogers this year so Nile Rogers Chris Cheney Omar Hakeem um, Let's Dance featuring Josh Homme uh, Modern Love with Gus Coombs from Supergrass I mean mm. amazing um, Chevy Metal I'm not familiar with this Chevy Metal geezer no that was one where I sort of saw the name and I was like oh yeah never heard of them I should look them up and then uh, well failing in my journalistic duty and never actually did so good well i'm glad that neither of us know <laughs> he is but he did pick psycho killer by talking heads and children of the revolution featuring kesha i say he is it a he or is it a them i'm actually gonna i'm gonna do i'm gonna google him in real time sam this will be exciting for uh for this is what I people think. tune oh, in it for looks like oh i've i've put che- chevy malibu in which is not what what better than chevy chase to. To it appears that oh there are there are 70s Covers band, 70s hard rock covers band, Chevy Metal. Fine. Um, With Kesha. Uh, Let's burst through a few of these because there's some stuff which you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Like a couple of Van Halen covers, good. Um, You've got Violet Grohl, Dave Grohl's Mm. daughter, singing Last Goodbye and Grace by Jeff Buckley, which I think is fucking great. Imagine that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, beautiful songs. And uh, I've seen sort of camera phone footage of those performances and yeah absolutely smashed it yeah, i would really say good. uh three supergrass songs by supergrass them crooked vultures the first time that they have played together for over a decade goodbye yellow brick mm. roads did it out john cover did gunman did long slow goodbye by queens of the stone age um don't necessarily think that that means we're gonna get more them crooked vultures or them getting back together or anything like that but still like a, a cool little thing for uh for the world to see i think yeah, it's it's a nice reformation, and to do it for you know such a kind of I don't know important cause to those musicians, you know, I think it's a, it's a really nice thing. Yeah, really nice. I think we can do without the Valerie Mark Ronson cover, to be perfectly honest. Uh, there was a few uh, yeah, other yeah. like the Pretenders. I don't really like the Pretenders, to be honest. Um, Brian Johnson, Lars Ulrich, and the Foo Fighters doing a couple of ACDC tunes, "Back in Black" and "Let There Be Rock." Fuck yeah. Not bad, yeah. not bad, is it? That's great, man. I would have really, yeah. really liked to have been there for that. Uh, Stuart Copeland, who we mentioned last week, talking about the police. Next mm. to you and everything, little thing she does is magic, amazing. Here's one for you, Sam. Oh, I know what you're going to say, mate. I'm livid. Livid I wasn't there Geddy for this. Geddy Lee and Alex Lyson from Rush. Oh. 2112 Part 1 Overture. Oh. Working man. And uh, YYZ, or YYZ, as I'm sure they call it. Um, but yeah, basically, a kind of something of a Rush reunion. Uh, I mean, it's it's the closest you're ever going to get to seeing Rush again. You know, uh, uh, you know, they were very quick to say that that was the end of the band after the uh, tragic passing of Neil Peart. I don't. It does. It's one of those ones that they're never going to reform. You know, they're at that time in their lives. You know, they're the older kind of statesmen of uh, their respective musical scene. You know, they're absolute bastions of prog. Um, they've got no reason to do it. And I think without Neil, who was a, you know, he's a member of the band since the second album, I think it would feel a real weird thing for them, let alone for the fans, because, you know, Rush fans are absolutely mad, um, as I can attest. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, because <laughs> you're mad or because you spend a lot of time with Rush fans? Oh, oh mad oh, me. You're nutter, aren't you? Absolutely, oh, absolute nutter when Tom Sawyer comes on. Uh, I'm all normal. Just takes a while to... Yeah. I'm all normal. And then I hear, hey, Tom Sawyer. And the bloody tie goes around the head. Doesn't it? <laughs> and you're like... Dad Skidding on my knees, pretending I'm an aeroplane. Yeah, 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 wearing odd socks. Doing... Uh, go, well, I'll do that going, anyway. only me? All the, all the mad <laughs> things. Um, there's no way you remember that. Have you ever seen Harry Enfield's television programme? Do you remember that? 
I haven't seen Harry Enfield, but obviously I've seen David Brent doing it in the right, office, okay. which I think is a lot funnier. <laughs> so. Yeah, it is. Uh, Brian May, Roger Taylor, Rufus Taylor and Foo Fighters doing We Will Rock You. I'm in love with my car. I mean, what the fuck? Why would they pick that? Under yeah, Pressure. What? That's a weird yeah, one. Under Pressure with Justin Hawkins. Somebody to Love with Sam Ryder. We spoke about like the, tri- the Freddie Mercury tribute concert last week, and we said... Oh yeah, fucking George Michael killed somebody to love. Like you don't want to st- you don't following George Michael and Freddie Mercury and do mm. like that's a there's a big shoes to fill, but I heard very, very good things about Sam Ryder, although I didn't actually see it myself. Yeah, unfortunately I've not been able to come across any sort of high quality recording of to be fair, most of this show. But you know, the Queen stuff and particularly, yeah, Sam Ryder Eurovision runner up of this year. I know obviously you guys did your extensive Eurovision feature. Uh, I say you guys, you and Tom mm-hmm. and Matt Russian from Hellbent for Metal, um, which is a great, mm-hmm. great piece. Uh, yeah, I think Sam Ryder's, he's all right. He's had a bit of a glow up going from his band 10 years ago to being one of the biggest pop stars on the planet. Yeah. Isn't that the truth? Fuck me. What a glow up that's been. Yeah, unbelievable scenes. Foo Fighters themselves did a very, very emotional times like these. Now, mm. this I have seen. Dave Grohl breaking down during times like these, like can barely get the words out and i found myself choking up a little bit all my life pretender monkey wrench learn to fly these days best of you um it was my hero uh so uh, paul mccartney came out with um chrissy hind and they did oh darling and and helter skelter as well and then Foo fighters ended with aurora and it's my hero with taylor hawkins son shane hawkins which was amazing i thought like i did find this it's been put up on i think it's mtv's it is yeah Uh, they streamed the original event and i would hope they might drip feed out a few more kind of official videos but yeah this is the one that they have released as as the moment Hmm. so i mean they ended with everlong but and which i haven't seen but certainly um getting taylor hawkins son up uh was a super emotional moment particularly with a song like my hero which obviously has connotations for being you know, very close to um, the, the the. It's about Kurt Cobain, isn't it? My hero is about Kurt Cobain, and for it to be played in this context with the son of Taylor Hawkins was, yeah. I just thought like everything about it felt really um, intensely emotional, and the one person who seemed sort of unaffected by all of it in terms of like letting the emotion just get the better of them was actually young Mm. Shane Hawkins who put on a fucking amazing drumming display and grinned the whole way through it and pounded the shit out of those drums like it's wicked that if you haven't seen it whether you're a Foo Fighters fan or not I mean I I would struggle you know we've spoken about Foo Fighters a bunch of times on this podcast and you know I am a at best casual fan I would say at the very very best but I don't think you could deny just how moving and emotionally impactful that particular it's, moment yeah. was. No matter, even if you think the Foo Fighters are wank, I still think you really you'd have to have a heart of stone. I mean, it is just absolutely beautiful. And to, yeah, I mean, thinking the context of yeah, the sixteen-year-old kid who's lost his dad, who you know, um, I mean, I can I can only imagine they had a, a beautiful relationship because of the way Taylor Hawkins sort of presented himself in the media, and I don't know, you know father and son you know it's always a, a special kind of relationship that just can't be aped can't be replaced by anything and for him to come out and give that performance and you know hit those drum skins like his dad would have done i thought it was 
it was smashing. And just watching, I mean, I first saw it as the 30 second, second clip that uh, Consequence of Sound had tweeted out. And even that was enough to send just sh- chills down your, your spine. It's just, it's beautiful. It's an incredible moment in you know in kind of rock music history i think mm, yeah it's really really nice really really nice so go and watch that if you didn't get a chance and obviously pretty gutted to miss <clears throat> the uh the taylor hawkins memorial concert which looked incredible and yeah what a, what a send-off and it just goes again like a show loved he was that he could fill out mm. wembley stadium and that many people from so many different bands would come and you know sort of want to pay tribute to him so yeah fucking looked amazing but i as I said, went to the Principality Stadium for Clash at the Castle. Now, the only time at all, really, that we've spoken about wrestling on this podcast has been, really, when we did the Matter Man Randy Savage Broken Records episode. And I said, oh, I basically watched wrestling for a year and I didn't watch it anymore. I did end up going to the O2 earlier this year. I don't think I mentioned this with um, with Merlin, who is a big Merle of louder fame um, and formerly of editor of Metal Hammer. Uh, he's a big wrestling fan. He was like, I've got a plus one for the wrestling. Do you want to come? And I went down. I didn't know who anyone was. And I found it to be an enjoyable night out. So when they announced the Clash at the Castle, which is 30 years after SummerSlam 92, I went to SummerSlam 92. My mate Mark, who doesn't listen to this, so he won't mind me embarrassing him, basically begged me to go with him. Because he doesn't really pay much attention to wrestling. But I think there was something about going to the next big WWE formerly WWF, pay-per-view 30 years after we'd seen the first one. And I have to say, look, I didn't really know what was going on for a lot of it. I didn't really know Mm. what the storylines were and stuff. But there's not many better atmospheres that you will experience than a wrestling crowd, particularly a hyped-up wrestling crowd who haven't had a pay-per-view for 30 years. And the atmosphere in that stadium was unbelievable. It was so fucking loud, Sam. I mean, I've been at gigs where people have special guests have come out and pick like festivals where people have lost their fucking mind at like a, a, a guest coming out or a band play a song and people lose their shit i've been at an fa cup final stood in the, the 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 winning end um when the final whistle goes and when the, the ball goes in the back of the net i'm struggling to think of many things that i've experienced in my life where the crowd alone have been as loud as the crowd were when Drew McIntyre came out. Drew McIntyre Scottish and was going for the uh, the undisputed Universal Championship against Roman Reigns. Um, I didn't know much about this, I've got to be honest. But yeah, Drew McIntyre's yeah. a big fucker. I mean, no man will make you feel less uh, or more, more inadequate than, than Drew McIntyre. <laughs> he walked past, as we were coming in, we got our tickets and he walked past in the little corridor before they took us up to our press box seats. WWE treat me, treated me very well. Like, put this in the press, put this in the actual press box. It was great. And um, fuck me, that dude's massive. He's massive. He's very, very good looking. He's uh, he's in incredible shape and he seems to be very charismatic as well. So, you know, but apart from that, um, you pray to God his breath smells because gee, he's basically like <laughs> the perfect specimen of a man. And, um, yeah. you know, like when he came out, it was absolutely maniacally loud fucking unbelievable i turned to my mate and i tried to say something to him he tried to say something to me we we couldn't say anything because it was just it was just so fucking loud like maybe the loudest shit i've ever experienced and yeah like an electric atmosphere throughout the entire thing uh there were some good matches like you know i like the um 
I like the kind of heel turny. Uh, I like the high flying shit more than the sort of kicky punchy holds and technical stuff. I like when they jump off of high things. Mm. Doesn't really make me sound like someone who knows much about wrestling. But uh, Rey Mysterio <laughs> and Edge. Rey Mysterio's quite old now, but he jumps off. Oh, of, yeah. He jumps off of high things, Sam. Ooh, really good. high. Oh, big time. Well done. Yeah, well he done, kicked Ray. a man in the face and then Edge jumped in his stomach and then they beat them. It was good. So <laughs> <laughs> it was good. Sounds great. It was good. And then... I'm sure it was. I'm and sure then his was. son kicked him in the balls afterwards and then clotheslined his own dad and then everyone booed it and it was like... And it was really like... You know, it's pure fucking panto. It's pure fucking panto. But it's actually quite enjoyable. Are you into it? Yeah. Have you ever been into wrestling at all? No, I really haven't. Um, I think my closest experience of enjoying <laughs> wrestling was uh, playing The Simpsons Wrestling on PlayStation 1 when I was about Wicked. six years old, which is a famously shite game. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah never been into wrestling. I've got no problem with it. I mean, I think like most sports of any sort, I'm just kind of ambivalent. It's just kind of a world I just don't really connect with. That's but, fine. Yeah, fine. That's if you fine. like it, fill your boots. It was very, uh, and I like some of the costumes as well. Seth Rollins was wearing all, like a sort of orange, like, you know, Disco Stew from The Simpsons. He was yeah. wearing that, but in orange. Lovely. Nice. Oh, Lovely. Absolutely class. It was a great, it was a, you know, it was a, a really enjoyable experience. I mean, am I going to start watching Raw and SmackDown? Probably not. Probably not. Um, but I did really enjoy it. I mean, I know someone did tweet. Go, oh yeah, go on. Let's not clash the castle was. And I was only really messing around. But I thought this is for whoever you were who tweeted us. This is for <laughs> this is for you. Um, yeah, it was uh, it was funny. It was funny, and the whole stadium sung Metalingus by Waterbridge. And I bet March of Monte and uh, Miles Kennedy and the other two would have seen that and gone, oh, wish that was us playing that. In front of that many people, <laughs> oh, <laughs> although they've got that bigger crowd, yeah, yeah. although they, you know, they, they do all right for themselves. Alter Bridge, but yeah, the whole fucking place fine, was yeah. singing Alter Bridge, and uh, somebody actually, someone sat next to me, said, "Oh, who'd you write for?" And I said, "Oh, Metal Hammer." And then when Alter Bridge came on, he turned to me and said, "This is the only acceptable time to like Alter Bridge." And I went, <laughs> no, "I don't think that's true at all. I think Alter Bridge are quite good, actually." And he went, "I think, nah. yeah, I uh, from, not that I'm going to review Alter Bridge too far. I think, yeah, it's fine to like him." You know, I mean, we're going to be talking about some much worse stuff later, I think, um, in Guilt Trip, not in the album reviews. But uh, yeah, oh, they're fine. They're, they're the best at what they do, aren't they? Yes, absolutely they are. Yeah, I, I actually quite like Waterbridge. Anyway, it was good. Do you know what I mean? It was, uh, it was a good time. It was a good fucking time. So um, let's move on and talk about some records that are coming out or have come out, in fact. Parkway mm -hmm. Drive have a new album out. Darker Still, seventh studio album from the Australian metalcore turned dark radio rock the lads the follow-up to 2018's revenant album which saw parkway drive step even further away from their roots and delve deeper into their grittier more gothic more measured more singer songwritery influences um there has been a lot of grumbling from mm. various people regarding various stuff about parkway drive over the last few years the singles have been met with uh, classic metalcore people and metalcore fans saying, oh, you know, it doesn't sound like their old stuff. And, you know, they cancelled a, a US tour to um, sort out some issues within the band. I don't think that's uh, putting too sort of fine a point on it. Like, I think there were obviously internal problems amongst the band 
that they needed to sort out and so cancelled a US tour uh, which they got a bit of a like ticking off for from various mm. parts of the US um, none of those things are a problem to me though but I'm curious Sam how do you feel about Parkway Drive and particularly their evolution as a band over the course of their career so Parkway Driver a strange one for me i think because my introduction to them was vice grip which i thought from the off was like this is just like a really good kind of pop metal song i don't see why everyone's going ballistic and then i went back and listened to the older stuff and it was like oh yeah okay i mean you know they were they were harder they were more metal weren't they they were more hardcore as well you know they yeah. were metal core to a t i can see why people would throw their toys out of the pram because a lot of people who like heavy music can be quite entitled don't think that's unfair to say. I think nope. I have been in the past, you know. Uh, there have been metal bands You're when I was growing up. the I've ever met, I think. I am awful, to be fair. The things mm. I've been saying about Lamb of God recently, oh, not fit for broadcast. But um, <laughs> that is we a We will be reviewing the Lamb of God album at some point, so they will be being broadcast, even though they're not fit for broadcast. Continue. R-rated. Brilliant. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, so I got into Parkway Drive Calling Randy Bly the pooey shit. Oh, uh, you're, you've got a fat head, haven't you, Mark Morton? You've got a small scrotum. <laughs> oh, I, God. Go on. I'd never say I'm that. making this ridiculous. Go on. Sorry, go on. You're making this much more painful than it needs to be. Yeah, so I got into Parkway Drive on Aya. Uh, really enjoyed it. And then remember the sort of singles for Reverence coming out. If I remember rightly, uh, it was The Void was the lead single. And I kind of thought, uh, yeah, I'm not so into this. And then I think Prey was the second single. And Prey, I was like, what's this folksy fucking metal rubbish? Oh, no, 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 no. And now, uh, Reverence, I absolutely love as an album, front to back. I think it's a really, really, really good record, basically. And I think it took it took me a long time to get it. And it really sort of gelled when I heard it uh, or saw them live on that tour um, with a friend of mine who basically insisted that i come along and was like no no you will like them you will like them and i thought eh, what's the worst that can happen uh yeah parkway drive they're a band where the two times since i've been a fan where an album's come along i've approached with a hell of a lot of caution and uh well spoiler alert both times i've been surprised just how much i've been into their new output ah that's interesting hmm. i mean there's quite a lot of pressure on parkway drive i feel at the moment they're an established arena band at this point. I mean, the headline mm. Varken, that fucking crowd they got for Varken was huge. They are one of the best live bands in metal, maybe mm. music, actually. They're fucking spectacular live, always. And, you know, they've introduced over the last, probably more on Revenants, I would say, and certainly more here on Darker Still, some real kind of, and, and on Ire as well, obviously, some real kind of Euro metal new metally parts uh things that people who want the same version of the same thing over and over again are not really going to take to mm. i think they've taken a risk a legitimate risk and i think when you think back to you know um particularly when vice grip came out i mean it seems insane now what, what you've said is right basically like i heard vice grip as someone who had been not a huge fan of Parkway Drive. Like, I liked Parkway Drive. I had about three Parkway Drive albums at this point. You know, I had so I would have had like Killing with a Smile, Atlas, and um, uh, Deep, Deep Blue. Blue? I, would, yeah. I would have definitely had all of those records. Um, and oh, well, I would, yeah, I would have had all of them. Actually, got the Horizons as well. So yeah, I had all the Parkway Drive albums, right? And I'd found myself going, "God, this is really great." When I first heard them, and then 
still feeling like everything was great and then but not listening to as much of it as much do you know what i mean like i'd get i got atlas and i was like there's a few really great songs on here mm. and the album it's not a bad album but you know it's just more stuff and that's fine but when Aya came out and when vice Grip came out my initial reaction to vice Grip was what on god's earth is this this mm. is rubbish rubbish and i feel like I don't recognise that person. I mean, I guess it just took a little while to sort of fully understand it. And I think, weirdly, with Parkway Drive, considering, you know, they've made some clear stylistic changes from those first four records, definitely. Um, but they haven't completely thrown the baby out of the bathwater, I don't think. It's just the things that they have introduced have been... I think really like they're so good at those other things. They're so successful at doing those other things that that almost kind of dominates your brain. And you think, oh, part which I've completely changed. I've completely changed. And I'm not sure that they have completely changed. I just think the evolution has been kind of slight and slow. Um, and the idea now that you wouldn't like Vice Grip seems insane. Mm. Seems absolutely mad. And Prey, again, yeah, I remember like being a bit like, mm, okay, when I first heard Prey. And now I'm like, oh, it's an absolute oh, tune. Such a belter. A fucking, fucking I love that song. Tune. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's brilliant. And that I think both their last two albums have been great. And that's why I kind of preface all of this with that context. Because Darker Still, I mean, I've been quite lucky. I've had it a little while, right? Mm. I've been listening to this since sort of early July i think oh, okay um, quite a while then yes yeah, so i've had it for quite a while um and i think it's still like for me for, for parkway drive to really achieve the thing that i want to hear from them which is a total rejection of the killing with a smile horizons like those first four albums i think they could completely cut themselves off from that completely it would maybe totally alien, completely and totally alienate them from their ex pre-existing fan base from back then. But I think they do something which is quite unique to them in this mm. scene. And I think they're very, very good at it. And I think Darker Still moves them further into that territory, further into that direction. I reckon maybe two or one or two albums down the line, we might get a Parkway Drive album which has literally got nothing to do with metalcore whatsoever and i'm kind of excited for that day to come along but i think if they're doing it with such sort of incremental changes that we might just be used to it by the time that it comes along um but this is basically a good album is what yeah. i'm saying yeah this is a good album uh i yeah i think you're absolutely right there's not a massive stylistic leap from what they were doing on reverence i mean ground zero as an opener i mean when i first put it on i was terrified to be honest because it starts out with kind of little xylophone ditty and winston sort of mm. breathing out the what will become the chorus and then you get that parkway kind of arena ready shrill sort of guitar line that quite jaunty but still well it doesn't even feel hard it just feels good to listen to and then you get drop the beat and it goes into the song properly oh my god i fucking love this opening track man like given my trepidation in the first sort of 10 seconds for me to turn around so quickly, I mean, I'm already, I've already got the chorus in my head and I've only had this album since the beginning of this week. Um, yeah, absolute belter. Um, and I think it's kind of got the DNA of Prey in it a little bit there, which I think comes up 
a few times on the album, like Glitch, the lead single, which I know people mm-hmm. did take against quite vociferously, as they often do with Parkway Drive, seemingly. Um, I think it's got that, yeah, Euro Euro metal melody that they really lean to on the last album. Um, yeah, I, I don't know that there is that many moments on this that I think are wholly comparable to the Killing with a Smile through to Atlas era, to be honest. I think they are starting really. to move away pretty pretty rapidly over in the context of the last three albums Soul being Bleach? seven years. Soul Bleach would be the one. I mean, that's... Um, and to be honest, that reminded me of kind of like, I don't know, 2012, uh, bringing up again, 2012, like Lamb of God with the kind of spoken world draw. Mm. It had that sort of randyism to it. Um, and so much groove uh, and pinch harmonics, though. I don't know that I would call it necessarily a metal core song. I think it's got more to do with groove metal. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, that, that is a, that is a fair point. I mean, I think the thing about this album is, is the first half of it to me is massive. It is massive, mm. instantaneous. It goes boom for you straight away. I think you've already mentioned the opening track. Um, and the thing about Parkway Drive is, is you know, a couple of weeks ago, people, um, I say people, it was Tom, Tom <laughs> from Hellbent <laughs> for Metal was like, oh, you know, you you reviewed too many records because you don't like the the soil work record, and my kind of initial reaction to that was like yeah you might have a point but then i thought well i don't really listen to records like this and when i do you get one with like parkway drive and the first, i think the second half of this record is artistically interesting yes i think the first half of this record is made for stadiums now if you're going to do something which is made for stadiums those melodies better be really catchy mm. those melodies really better be really catchy those grooves better be absolutely propulsive and massive and they might just have to could stay in your head that might have to be the sole reason for their existence and i think parkway drive do that you mentioned the opening guitar melody as soon as you said it it's in my head yeah. straight away um like napalm it sounds like new metal like it's it's got that kind of it is just concerned with being this massive gargantuan riff heavy catchy bastard and that burn it burn it all away like that that hook one listen boom there you go it's the second half of the record i think where things get a bit darker things get a bit weirder um and i applaud parkway drive even before i get into my overall general opinion of the album for doing that because they're not trying to do the same thing that they did 15 years ago and they're not trying to be bring me the horizon either which i think is where so many of these bands are sort of falling into mm. one of those two camps it's like no we're true metalcore or oh we better do this kind of poppy you know um electronicy bring me the horizon thing whereas parkway drive are forging from, certainly from that scene completely forging their own path and their own identity there's now not really anyone within quote-unquote metalcore who sound anything like parkway drive other than parkway drive i think there are other metal bands you compare them to i think lamb of god's quite a good comparison i mm. actually think and some of you might not like this but i think king 810 isn't a particularly bad comparison and i actually think that last king 810 album is uh, is very good actually so that's a compliment as far as i'm concerned I think King Gate, well, I know, is, uh, is a really good comparison, actually. It's not one that had popped into my mind because, I mean, for me, I've not really listened to them since their second album, which which I thought the first first one was all right. Second one I thought was storming. And then for me, they really dropped off with, was it Suicide King, their third one? But anyway, we don't need, yeah. don't need to talk yeah, about yeah. King Gate, well, I know too much. No, I think mm-hmm. you're absolutely right. Parkway in metalcore, and certainly like, you know, metalcore that's kind of of any commercial or critical note they are the only ones that sound like it and i remember in the run-up to reverence and again perhaps kind of 
slightly put me off because it's I thought mm, maybe you're overextending yourself a bit here lads but Winston talking about his love of Tom Waits and bringing that into the album and it was like I mean there's no way a metalcore band who wrote like Idols and Anchors and then Vice Crip could do that but you know not to the same extent as Tom Waits but they brought that in you know on like uh, Wishing Wells on the beginning of the first album and then I think you get a bit of that towards the end of this one sort of land of the lost and from heart of darkness the last two tracks i think you can definitely hear that there are so many there are influences that aren't just metal in there i love the last two tracks they're great like for the record i love the last two tracks land of the lost has an almost industrial feel to it. i mean you mentioned Godflesh earlier and mm. i never thought i would be like oh the opening to this parkway drive song reminds me of Godflesh," but it actually does it's both yeah the tom waits thing but done with metal, mm. but done with a certain type of very chromatic, killing joke-esque heaviness. It's not heavy in a, let's crank these guitars up and chug, chug, chug. It's kind of, it's it's sort of legitimately dark. It's I think Parkway, you know, this is an album that is, that is dark. Like it's lyrically, you know, it's called Darker Still. Mm. Um, you look at the, the, the fucking, you know, the, what's it called the artwork <laughs> the fuck that, that's it that? on the front the, uh, the picture uh you look at the artwork and the artwork's black and bleak you look at the you know the imperial heretic if a god can bleed like napalm land of the lost from the heart of darkness like you know it's a it's a record which is it's not a kind of it's not a euphoric fist pumping fight against adversity metalcore album like you know so many of those things tend to be mm. it, it's it's not celebratory at all it's quite a kind of viscerally nasty quite depressed record i think it's got a kind of i mean look, to, to go as far as to say it's got the same sort of vibe as something like the holy bible i think would be pushing it too far yeah. because ultimately parkway drive are an arena band and i think were they to go that far down the rabbit hole then that's when you start being like oh you're ruining your career mm. you're, you're <laughs> you concerned I mean? with so art I, over kind of commerciality yeah yeah like completely and i think you know like they're obviously concerned with art but I oh think yeah they yeah. have to temper that by going we're going into arenas these songs are going to have to be played in arenas i think they've done a really good job of balancing those two things i mean again to bring it back to when i was talking about the soil work album the other week that for me has no influences outside of it other than metal and other types of metal hence why i think it just sounds like metal i mean you know the first half of this yeah it does just sound like metal hmm. you could go well it's it's another it's broadly speaking like another kind of radio-y metalcore band like yeah yeah you could but you know I, I think lyrically it's really good i think everything in a package surrounding it and contextually makes those things work and also it's just super fucking catchy mm. and when you put it with the second half of the album which i think goes to some quite unusual and cool places i think you've got a very very good record i'm i don't know why i'm surprised that i think this is as good as it is I've, i don't know why I but i do i feel exactly the same so yeah i think the point um that parkway are able to balance their art and their kind of commercial appeal i think is great and i think that is one of the things that makes them unique uh, let alone just their sound i mean there is no one who sonically sounds like parkway drive i mean winston's voice so recognizable the riffs the guitar tone uh, the tone of the guitars playing those riffs and everything is great yeah i'm annoyed with myself for being surprised that i liked it so much it's like it's made me realize maybe i do just really like parkway drive and i shouldn't be surprised that i like parkway drive when they bring out a new album here's why i think i'm surprised right is because when you're a band who have had an estate you've got an established thing 
and then you change and then you do another version of it i thought third time round do you run out of ideas mm. do you go oh well, we we've changed and that's enough and we did it again and we sort of changed and now we're sort of comfy yeah. where we are and i thought to myself would we get a comfy parkway drive album would we get thinking hey guys look you know we're at arenas now and we're playing these big places and ergo we can really just give you more of that stuff that we did on reverence and we can give you more of that stuff that we did on Aya because that's now you're used to that mm. now and that's all good and whilst i think you know like this isn't a completely stylistically different record to reverence it's not completely different but it's got enough about it and it's well written enough and it's well conceived enough. And I think like conceptually what it's trying to, you know, trying to point out the absolute bleakness of humanity at the moment. I think when you put all of that together, you go, yeah, it does have its own, it has enough of its own thing mm. for me to go, oh, you know, they're, they're still not really stagnating. It's still like, you know, incremental changes and you know like uh like bits and like more and more is getting added to it and i fucking love that but i wondered if they had got to a point where they were like well we've changed a lot now so we'll just give you some more of that and i don't think that they have so i think that's good yeah i don't definitely i definitely don't think that they have either um i think one of the the kind of the most interesting uh song in that kind of train of thought is if a god can bleed which to be fair for me is probably the weakest moment on the album but fair play because they're trying something different and it's totally different to anything they've done before because as mm. you say there are there are new metal elements all the way through i mean uh, i'd say if a god can bleed to be honest like let's not beat around the bush starts to bring in that kind of i don't know almost hip-hop sort of like groove to it and beat mm -hmm. and stuff and i don't think it works i think it it does show them up as maybe not having such a good grasp on that genre as they think they might i mean i've written in my notes it'd be like if i went to a karaoke bar and covered humble by kendrick lamar it would just be a little bit too removed from it we'd love Decent, to see it but well you know you'll have to invite <laughs> me to a karaoke bar won't you there any in overton no definitely not <laughs> no, I think they do it down sure. the red lion on a friday sometimes but no, oh, good. A bit of a dodgy pub, so I don't want to go in there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think Parkway, they are still pushing boundary, uh, their own boundaries. They're not pushing musical boundaries. I mean, there's nothing on here that's, it's not like The Drift by Scott Walker or whatever. <laughs> but um, yeah, they're, they're doing something interesting in a genre that, yeah, broadly is quite stagnant, especially just arena metal, not even metal core, but arena metal. Like, I'm not bothered about Five Finger Death Punch. I you know you like a bit of their stuff, but they're not for me. Um, and then I struggle to think kind of the other bands like you talk about parkway having a fair bit of pressure on them they're quite often put in the conversation of like oh well they're going to be the next download headliner like they're in that kind of pantheon i think they're ghost maybe would be the one kind of question mark i have on that but i think parkway are probably the strongest one at doing it and certainly as far as a metal band goes i mean ghost are they're kind of occult pop rock really yeah. which i love mm. yeah ghosts are a sort of old if you're looking for a new school metal band i mean at this point do we even count Bring Me the Horizon? I think Bring Me are they're the ones, aren't they? Like Bring Me other like yeah. You know, I, I they're established as you know, they, they have to headline that. Like they would they would have to headline if they were to go to a download, for example. Um, mm. You know they're sort of established as a headliner. Just below that, you've got I guess Architects and Parkway Drive and pff, a day to remember. I mean, do people think of a day to? Not really. I don't think. I think uh, they did until be... their most recent album, which yeah. I think even their fans hated. So, And then I've already, the aforementioned Alter Bridge, again, not really a metal band. 
Mm. Um, I don't think Alterbridge make as broad stylistic uh, flights of fancy as Parkway Drive do. Yeah, I mean, look, for me, out of all those bands that I've just mentioned, the Architects have a few albums that I absolutely love. The recent stuff, you know, it sounds a bit like Bring Me the Horizon. It's not the fucking end of the world. You know, the songs are okay, I think. I think they're, they're mm. pretty good. Um, we'll see what happens with it. I thought the last record was a decent go at trying to add in some extra things and it's sort of the first time they've written without their main songwriter so you've got to cut them mm-hmm. a little bit of slack really yeah, yeah um so we'll see what happens with architects and you know but certainly live consistently speaking uh partway driver the ones that you'd want to see you'd want oh, yeah. to see fire and spinning drum kicks and kicks kits and lasers <laughs> and string quartets i mean you know like when you get to sort of the heart of darkness I mean, that is, it feels like part we're doing all the things that they've ever sort of tried and wanted to do at once. It's bouncy, it's heavy, it's got that euphoric Euro metal thing, it's got those strings in the back, it's really stop-starting, it seems to go into these different places, and it's very gothy as well. I think it's got mm. a kind of like very, a much darker, more gothic sensibility, which I obviously responded really well to. So, yeah, man, like, I, 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 I like this record a lot. I mean, I really... I'm really looking forward to their tour now. I'm really looking forward to them playing Ali Pali. I think, like, I was always dead keen on seeing it. Do you know what mm. I mean? I was always like, great, Parkway Drive Live, fucking brilliant. But I'm now particularly, but I did think to myself, like, I wonder if they'll put out an album which is, like, maybe, sometimes bands put out an album which slightly treads water and then they go on to the next one. And I don't know why in my head I was like, maybe that will be what Parkway Drive have done. And to be fair to them, to their credit, they they absolutely haven't done that. So um, I'm really, really looking forward to seeing them play these songs. To be honest, yeah, mate, same here. Like I had, I had tickets for the Wembley show that unfortunately got cancelled and moved to Ali Pali, and Ali Pali is just such a nightmare. But we've ended up uh, booking for the Nottingham show, me and my mate, because it's like you're not going to turn it down. And yeah, definitely on the strength of this album, it's like I can't wait to go. You know, if they yeah. open up with Ground Zero, it's like oh, I'm going to have a lovely time, mate like napalm you, mm. you whack in like napalm soul bleach land of the lost from the heart of darkness into this into their set list a fucking winner in amongst like carrion and vice grip and crushed uh, mm. do you know what i mean like fucking great yeah fucking mate. great it'll be brilliant so um yeah I, I i this is this is really good yeah and I don't know why I'm surprised to say it because clearly why, Park, yeah. Parkway are just a really good band as it, as it happens. Good. Yeah, bang into this. Um, good for them. Parkway Drive, <laughs> Darker Still is out. Now let's move on to another album which comes out today. If you're listening to this podcast today, it comes out. Dimensional Bleed by Holy Form. The Form? That's not what they're called. No. Called form. Fawn. Mm-hmm. Third form of Holy Fawn. The third full-length album from the Blackened Post Shoegaze Metal Band? that word are those words i'm not sure that they are but we'll go are. with it well technically they're words i just don't know they if they're words. accurate <laughs> yeah uh it's one of the long silly long sentences i've just said sorry everyone but it's a follow-up to their 2018 album death spells which i fucking loved they're so european sounding holy form it always weirds me out to think that they're from phoenix arizona hmm I get it. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Like they sound. Yeah. I think like I, I picked somebody. There's a thing on Twitter a while ago, and people were like, "Oh, what are your favourite albums from bands, or your favourite bands from not the UK or America?" And I put Holy Fawning because I was just like, 
in my head, I was like, well, they must be. But they're not. They're American. They don't sound American. No, definitely don't. No, no, I wouldn't say they sound... I think they sound as American as bands do when they're kind of affecting some sort of vocal style. But yeah, I think musically, uh, maybe it's just because of kind of the popularity and proliferation of Alcest's kind of black gay genre. I mean, maybe that's got something to do with it. You know, you, you expect it to be maybe a main lot, maybe may, uh, more mainland European. Although I think there's some Scandinavian f- feeling bits in this as well. Oh, so much. Yeah, and very mm. British sounding stuff as well. I think mm. there's a lot of British sounding things. I'm uh, quite glad you mentioned black gays because I didn't call them a black gays band. I don't think even though all of the elements would point at going, oh, holy fawn, uh, it's sort of like metal, but it's sort of like shoegazy indie as well. Oh, what, you mean black gaze? But I don't don't no. mean that. No. Because I don't think that's what this is. I completely agree. I mean, there are black metal vocals that are kind of fleetingly across the album. They're used to really cool dramatic effect. But yeah, I wouldn't call this a black gaze album. I mean, if you think... You know, Mole just released uh, Diorama last year. Like that's a black gaze album. This is something Definitely. different entirely. I think this is um a much more kind of it's a much more experimental beast, and I think it pulls from so many more different genres than like. Don't get me wrong, I love Mole, but they are they're kind of the the pop black gaze band. I'd yeah. say. I mean, this is closer to what Def Heaven were doing on um oh my god uh, ordinary corrupt human love i can't believe i forgot mm. that because that's my favorite one but it's, it's close to what one. what they were doing there we're and... too similar aren't we oh you're <laughs> hard <laughs> <laughs> no, god, sorry, mate. no sorry you took me about there and all i could do was resort to brent i am hard actually yeah which makes so bad. by so. proxy you hard as well because we're very similar i mean that's where we differ i am a softer shite as i think they would say but anyway it reminds me of kind of that experimental bent that deaf heaven really leaned into on ordinary corrupt human love and then have carried on on infinite granite uh and interesting to see that um this uh, holy form were opening for deaf heaven just earlier this year in mm. the u.s dates and i think that is a more apt comparison because i don't think you can call deaf heaven just a black gaze band anymore either not anymore no not anymore back I, in the thing like the things that people think about when they think of deaf heaven yeah big time like yeah but now no i don't think you can no um i think this is very good this record i, I mean you know i thought death spells was exceptional i thought the ep they put out which the name escapes me right now but i thought that was great in 2020 was it yes it was uh, really really great yeah yeah it was 2020 because i realized in the run-up to this that i completely missed that ep which i'm annoyed about because i really like death spells as well so that is very good that is a very good ep i think um yeah th- this for me it stays in quite a dreamy and glacial pace and place for the mm. majority of the album but that just means that when it does change, the sound of that change is so glorious, mm. beautiful. I mean, I think the first song, Death as a Release, is amazing. It sounds like The Cure, but with some black metal bits. I mean, who wouldn't like that? Who? Go on. Who wouldn't like that? Do you want a specific person? or? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I want a specific person. Who wouldn't like that? Uh, Yasser Arafat. <laughs> I don't know why that's the first name that came to mind, but... Yeah, Yasser Arafat. <laughs> now, I put it to you that you would rather be like like me than you would be like Yasser Arafat. 
I mean, that's fair. So, yeah. so I'm just saying that you should all probably check this album out. Unless <laughs> you want to be like, yes, I am, Matt. Oh, dear. Uh, yeah, well, it's just gone in a funny old place. Yeah, sorry. It? That's fine. Mm, well. No, no, that's good. I'm good. Yeah, <laughs> yes, I'd love to look at Yes, I at Spotify <laughs> and see what he listens to. Pet Shop but Boys, we, I reckon. We, but we can't, unfortunately, mm. we can't. Uh, we don't We don't have time. No. Um, yeah, who wouldn't like that? I mean, it's fucking, you know, the Cure and Black Metal bits. I mean, that does sound like Black Gaze. When you, when you sort of say it like that, it does sound like, well, that's isn't that Black Gaze? And you think, yeah, well, it, for some reason, it's just not on this. It's just not. It doesn't have the... It, yeah, it really doesn't feel like it's got the kind of sonic aesthetic of Black Gaze. It's got the constituent parts, but I'd say, yeah, it's much more... Much more akin to kind of post-rock and shoegaze than it is any kind of black gaze or anything. Um, I I also thought Death is a Relief. Um, I'm not sure that I... Well, it's a band I'm ambivalent towards, but with the kind of thicker guitar riffs towards the heavier points in the song, almost made me think of something like Sleep Token with that kind of glacial sort of um, pretty glittery anthemry that they can just slot in there. I think this is much better than anything Sleep Token have done for my money which, you know, mm. is, for me, is quite a low Not. bar. But, um, mm. yeah, I think the um, the ability to kind of juxtapose the haunting and the, the brutal on this album in a way that does feel so distinct from Black Gaze, which is the odus, uh, modus operandi of that entire genre, I think it's really impressive. I mean, you get, like, Empty Vials, which I think that, you know, starts off with a kind of... It's sort of a cliche of sad core music with the sort of tape decay audio and everything coming in and the washed out sections it's it, you know bit by numbers but then you get that heavy bit again and you're like ah yes i remember <laughs> a couple of tracks ago why i was so taken with this and i think that kind of that build it is that glacial post-rock thing but for me actually i think um i was surprised that this album for me absolutely flew by like i put it on for the first time and then i looked down and i was on the final track and i was like blimey yeah uh, mate, it, it considering, like I say, it occasionally just d- swerves into a different area, but it does. I mean, it's certainly not the most one-paced album that we're going to talk about no, this week. No. I mean, one one by design, to be fair. But, um, but I mean, you know, stuff like Lift Your Head has that kind of digital bath thing by mm. Deftones on it. I thought it's got loads of digital bath. I'm glad you mentioned Empty Vials. I think that has a... Nick Cave is most sort of... is more kind of um, antagonistic, does that kind of stomp, clap stomp do you know what i mean that kind of like almost like it's being played in a bar and people are bashing the table along mm. with it and then it ends on this big tribal cult of luna thing when it gets really heavy it does go to that place um dimensional bleed i think is amazing and that reminds me of sort of 2000s era enslaved that's the only time where i go ah. I, this is you talk this is you really sounding like a black metal band but again are enslaved a black gaze band no not really they're a kind of progressive black metal band mm. if anything um so yeah like it's just very 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 good again like they're they're just a very good band yeah superb i think if i had one um i feel fairly kind of major criticism would be um the track blood memory i think it's a great song and i think the album is so superbly paced that when blood memory comes around after true loss it feels like a bit of a kind of false ending because i think true loss is is lush broad and expansive and you know it's it feels like a natural coda to the record and then you get another track which i don't know how you would sequence it in anywhere i think it would actually benefit the album to just have left blood memory on the cutting room floor or save it for another project because for me it just just undermines the kind of 
impact of that, what I felt should have been the finale. Um, but yeah, this is amazing. I think post-black metal, but then, yeah, it still doesn't quite do justice to everything they're doing. I think it's just a really heavy indie album. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that's unfair at I all. I mean, it's just... I think it's just a, a super heavy indie record in a lot of ways. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? Just a... Yeah, mm. like I'm, I'd, I'd be happy to be like, this is like a goth album. This is like a fucking Sisters of Mercy album, but with the occasional screamy bit, like extreme metal bit in it. Like, yeah, they're they're very good. Holy Fawn. I mean, is it a massive jump from Death Spells? Is it a massive jump from what they're doing before? Not particularly. I don't think it's a huge stylistic jump. But again, you know, I think the because we're sort of discussing like oh what exactly where does this go there and that and like where is you know the, the, because it's quite a kind of confusing thing to explain and quite a confusing thing to um you know quite a confusing thing to to really pinpoint exactly what it is like the new partway drive album you can go well it's a metal oh, yeah. album it's not really like strictly just a metalcore album and you could go well it's a sort of gothy black metal album but we don't really know what it is so i think they're in a position where they can make kind of two three albums like this mm. and not really have to evolve loads as a band because they've already kind of struck something rather unique from day one pretty much i think yeah for sure i think i think that's very astute and very fair as well i mean if you're doing if you're kind of almost inventing a sub-genre of your own why should you be expected to do it every time out you know um yeah i think holy fawn clearly just a very very impressive band be very curious to keep an eye on them in future and hopefully see how they grow i mean i don't foresee this stuff that they're doing ever being massive or anything like that like i'm going to see them at the end of this month they're playing the bodega in nottingham which is about 200 250 cap don't know how it's sold it's kind of been rolled over from 2020 so we'll see on the day but i could see them even if they did stick in this vein but just continue to sort of refine what they're doing and maybe expand just the parameters of even just the kind of technology they use i could see them being a really well respected cult band even if they were never a, a huge one yeah no, no, I i i agree i think they've got that thing they, they, they've got something about them that, which which sort of screams cult band to me mm. i think so yeah uh dimensional bleed by holy fawn is out now go and check it out unless of course you are yasser arafat i'm probably sure that you won't be that interested no. in that. you might like this though yasser <laughs> the bug ancient rhythm by the bug absent a new rhythm. album sorry to put you up absent yes. rhythm sorry what did i ancient. say ancient Oh, did I? I did mean to say absent. I, I don't think I've pronounced one of the albums that we've covered on the show this week correctly so far, Sam. Oh, well, I hadn't particularly noticed. What's I, that about? Don't know. <laughs> <I think it's laughs> don't really listen to you, to be uh, honest. I just turn up and say what I've got to say. Good. Yeah, that's <laughs> the way to do it, I think. Absent Rhythm um, takes me back to 2017, that does, when you say stuff like that. Um, <laughs> ancient Rhythm. That's been a while since I've had a pop at, <laughs> at someone from, yeah yeah uh, that i used to do a podcast with anyway um uh, absent rhythm by the bug a new album from the pseudonym of uk musician kevin martin the follow-up to sam your favorite album of 2021 the fire well fire not the fire fire by the bug uh we did a catch-up on that and i fucking loved it it's a brilliant record you told me to listen to this 
you said you were like this and you were right look at you knowing things. I, I was right because um it's that kind of aggressive sort of amalgam of various different styles of very very loud music that aren't just strictly metal or extreme metal um i'm sorry to say it wasn't my favorite album of last year but it was the quietuses which is why i thought oh yeah i remember listening to that i haven't gone back to it for a while i listened to it again i was like this will be a bit of steve and that that was my introduction to the book certainly Right. I thought you said it was your favourite album. Maybe I've completely... No. Um, I thought it was, like, legit your favourite album. It, it was definitely in there. I mean, I'd already kind of you know, thought about my top 20 and everything. I think, looking back, this the Fire by the Bug would have been in the top five or something. It is a storming right, album. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Great record. Great record. So this is something a bit different. Um, so basically, this is just one single beat for an entire album with all manner of guests helping out changing the kind of vibe of the record throughout so we get the likes of dialect justin broderick more mother nick bullen formerly of napalm mm. death and more on the album they're ones that we've covered before but it kind of came across or kind of came out because um absent in body asked the bug to uh, remix a, a song for them and they said no we don't like mm. this and so he was like well okay i'll just do something with that one beat and sam you kind of brought this in um obviously because you're a fan of the bug and you weren't necessarily sure about whether or not you wanted to cover it initially right because it does just go and go and go and it's very very long and it keeps the same pace it keeps the same beat i mean it literally i can't hammer this fact home hard enough it is the same rhythmic pattern for 81 minutes straight it never deviates from that rhythmic pattern at all absolutely that is absolutely true i mean that was the exercise that um the bug uh kevin martin himself um was looking to undertake and i think he's done it very knowingly so looking on the band camp page through which it was released um kevin martin formerly a music journalist as well as just i turns out albums in his sleep seemingly albums and projects and eps and everything mm. like that um and he talked about uh, basically also uh, so the reason i say as a journalist is that he did his own bio for it and he says you'll know if this is for you by the end of the first like or the second song because if you just hear the beat coming back in again with just these very subtle kind of production manipulations and different effects maybe brought in every now and then but really it comes down to who's giving the guest vocals you'll know if you want to put up with this for 81 minutes and i i suggested it because i saw it come out and then I listened to it for the first time and I got about halfway through and I thought, I don't know how much more this album's going to have to offer. I think there's an interesting conversation to have about it, but it was one that I thought we should keep on the back burner. However, having gone back to it a fair few times since, I've slightly revised my position. What would your end position be? My, my end point? position would be, I think, I think it is too long. I think 81 minutes is too much of one rhythm that I don't think is quite strong enough to carry it all. However, thinking about uh, the majority of the performances on this, the guest performances, I think are brilliant and do bring in enough sort of variety to it. I think for me, I'd be interested to see what you think, but um, my favourite track on this is Your, Law Your Laws Ain't Free featuring Jamie Branch, um, who was was uh sadly passed away just a few weeks ago at the age of 39 but um a kind of multi-instrumentalist composer and brings this these reed instrument accoutrements and a kind of like a free jazz feel to it which does fundamentally change the feeling of that rhythm and i think that's why for me that's the most mm. successful point on it i think the opening two of um 
well, again, unfortunately, the sadly departed Nizamba uh, on Satan. His Tombra yeah. is just amazing. It's that kind of dub poet, but a real evil one. Like, it's yeah. gravelly and it's nasty. Really? So it's awesome. Yeah. And then, yeah. you know, I may have mentioned once or twice that I quite like Godflesh. And so to hear Justin Broderick and the Bug <laughs> working together again, you know, um, if you're not aware of the Bug or Justin Broderick outside of Godflesh, um, they kind of came up together doing projects like God and Techno Animal and Bit of Final and now Zonal. Um, you know, they've worked together a hell of a lot. And so to hear them collaborating once again, it's just a delight, really. Um, but then for me, there are moments like uh, Atomic Canine training with Fatboy Sharif. I think his kind of dragging verse, just for me, it just feels a little bit too at odds with the rigidity of the rhythm. The I think my final position on this is that it is too long. It is one that I will go back to individual tracks on. It's not an album that I'd ever probably put on again outside of the context of wanting to talk about it right okay fine yeah yeah i i can see all of that i think the guests bring a lot to this record obviously a lot of it kind of lives and dies by the guests and that on my first listen i was like oh it's cool because you know um the difference between say like dialect um Mm. on the song fractured makes the song sound completely different to say another high point i think is uh yl huey on ocean yes and those two things yes. are completely different um you get ethan lee mccarthy making seriously brutal contributions to this album on death is a dream where it actually goes very metally and very extreme um but for me i've got to say sam considering i go Machine Head album's nearly an hour. Too long. This is 50 minutes. Too long. Everything's too long. And I'm always saying stuff is too long. I got sucked into this record. Like you wouldn't fucking believe. I found that beat to be so intoxicating that when it stopped and it came back in, because there are so many times where it sort of just stops. Mm. I mean... um, for example, there's a moment where it goes really quiet, almost basically silent for a fair few seconds, and it feels like a really long time of silence. And then that beat just kind of pulses, p- p- comes back in on resistance. Little break, it just starts to rise back into the, into your ears again, and you're like, there it is again. There it mm. is again. And it's just... Every time I'm like, oh. And I think that is what great hyp- hypnotic dance and electronic music should do i think it should almost take you to a place where you just want that beat to happen forever i know Mm. you know people will say oh it's just the same beat going on and on and on and on i go to a club and i just hear all night and you know i think i've said on this podcast before (laughs) a lot of people i know who like that sort of thing tend to do a lot of recreational drugs with them and that changes it a bit and so i don't always get that feeling from it for too long but occasionally Mm -hmm. i do occasionally i do and this was one of the the times where just that change in vocal just that change in um approach around that beat kept me interested but it actually was the beat it actually was the monotonous march of this beat which felt like it was stalking you throughout 81 mm. minutes that i started listening to it and i was like oh this is cool and then about it's like it's like a Stuart lee joke right <laughs> it's like it's funny at the start 
and then it becomes exhausting and then it becomes it goes on for so long that it starts being funny again and my first listen i did as well i got to about track nine and i was like i mean it's literally not changed a beat has not changed at all mm. throughout this entire thing and i was like and there's still fucking another eight songs left like what the fuck surely and it didn't second listen around i was like right i'm prepared that this is just gonna go and go and go and go and i found myself like going this is cool at the start and then halfway through going I, I still think this is very well made and it's good and then something just clicked in me where i was almost like gripping the table to this beat and it just fucking grabbed me it's it's what i imagine people feel like when they tell me how great sun are you know people mm. are like if you yeah. can get that into your head with sun and they just do the same like and you can find the pattern for it and you're in on it it's fucking amazing and i've never got that with sun i've i've you know i I got to kind of hold my hands up and go it's me i don't get it i absolutely don't get it i I really fucking struggle to even know what i'm supposed to be enjoying about it um and i can see why someone would listen to this and go it's the same fucking beat for 81 minutes Mm. i think it could be longer to be perfect when it ended i was like is that it (laughs) <laughs> Sam's oh. pulled a face yeah I mean I, I do really enjoy this but only for a limited amount of time I think the length is just yeah the length is quite intimidating definitely and then you know, the, the elevator pitch of it being of it being one rhythm all the way through you know with just subtle manipulations and then maybe the odd kind of uh, instrumental kind of addition based on who's appearing on the track I mean I do like it I'm absolutely thrilled that you love it so much though because i think the bug is one of the most fascinating well kevin martin in his various guises one of the most fascinating artists i've discovered in recent years i think he's absolutely amazing and i've come to his kind of back catalogue where he's got like 35 years of stuff for me to delve into so not everyone has to be a winner in my book um this one i do like it i mean i think i've you know i can just keep saying my sort of reservations on it over and over again which i think would be apt given the nature of this record but um yeah, I'm yeah. I'm so pleased that you like it, mate. I do. You know, I really like it. I actually really, mm. really like it. I tell you what, right? This is what I'm going to say to uh, to to all of you listening. Give it one go. I dare you to give it one go. I say, I dare you. Like, I think you should give it <laughs> one go, right? Like, get in, a, get in a comfy chair. Get yourself a nice cold drink, whatever drink you want, a glass of milk or a beer or something like that. Turn all the lights off. Put your headphones on. Get comfortable and put this on and just let it beat the shit out of you. Like, because it's, you know, it can be quite extreme, but ultimately the Mm. thing about it that makes it heavy and makes it extreme, it's not because it's super loud or super aggressive or really fast or it's that it is just relentless. It is fucking relentless. Mm. And I don't know, man, I just really, really liked it. I thought it was really fucking great. Like, I I, honestly, by the end, I was just like, it's, it's paralyzing music. It totally paralyzed me. I was just like sitting there going, like my my leg was twitching in time of this beat. And even afterwards, it was just like my, it gives you this kind of internal metronome that mm. I think if you can get to that place, it's really brilliant, really brilliant. So um, I'm all about it. I, 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 I like this album a lot. I mean, you gotta be in the mood for it, but, mm. but it's well good. It's well good, this. I was... You know, do you know what? We were going to do Youngblood's new album this week <laughs> and we didn't. We're doing this instead, basically, um, because I, I was like, yeah, maybe we should do Youngblood instead then because it, it's just like one kind of monotonous beat over and over again. I listened to that Youngblood album 
and he couldn't really get much different a record from the Young Blood album. Just thought, no, let's talk no, about let's talk about Young Blood. The first track on the new Young Blood album, by the way, FYI, is actually really good, and the rest of it is fucking awful. But uh, we're not going to talk about Young Young Blood really. Absent Rhythm by the Bug. It's on Bandcamp now. If you want to go and check it out. Before we go into our feature for the show, we're going to talk about one last album, and that album comes from straight from the path. It's called Euthanasia, 10th studio album from the Hardcore Crossover Crew, the follow-up to 2019's Internal Atomics. I had a little period where I was massively into Straight From The Path. I thought they were really good. I thought they had a run of anonymous subliminal criminals and only death is real. I was really, really like bang up for that. I thought, what a good bunch of albums they are. Very, very good. I kind of missed the last album a little bit. I didn't kind of... I don't think I listened to it. It's not even like I was like, oh, it didn't really get me. I didn't. I, I just didn't listen to it. Ultimately, in my head, I thought, you only really need X amount of this stuff. And mm. those two albums that I've mentioned, although I like all three of them, I was basically like, well, you know, I've got enough of that particular thing that they do as a band. And that was absolutely fine. And I thought to myself, don't really necessarily feel like I'll ever go, oh, great, a new Straight From The Path album ever again. But we got sent this. I actually reviewed it for Metal Hammer. And, well, I'll get to that in a second. I'm going to ask you what you think of this band before we go any further, though, Sam. Uh, of the band generally, I really only know uh, Only Death Is Real, to be honest. Um, particularly the kind of furore around uh, Goodnight All Right, uh, where basically man babies who kind of live in their parents' basements started going, wow, they're being mean about my political hero of choice who happens to be kind of right of centre or very, very far right in some in- uh, some instances. Um, yeah, beyond that, I've not really delved into Straight from the Path very much at all. I think they're good at what they do, but I think absolutely on the money is they're a band to me who it felt like I'd only ever need a handful of tracks. Like even Only Death Is Real, I could not recall back to front the t- the, the track listing for that album because there there's only like two or three songs I'd ever go back to on it. So that that's essentially the entirety of my relationship with this band coming into this one. Okay, good. Well, I'm glad we uh, are on. I went, we're not really on a similar page, but I guess in terms of sort of coming into it and just being like, who knows? Who mm. like we're kind of ambivalent to it. Um, the first song came in. It's called Needful Things. Sounds like Rage Against the Machine. If they're a New yep. York hardcore band, which is absolutely fine. What a good thing to do. And that's sort of the straight from the path um, elevator pitch, isn't it? Oh, mm. if Rage Against the Machine were a modern hardcore band here you go that's the thing what they do essentially and it's fucking huge like the difference between rage against the machine or profits of rage i should say and straight from the path i think that's when because you know yeah look the bar is way too high to yeah. really compare them to evil empire or you know battle or the, debut, Angeles, or the yeah. debut rages machine like come on but Considering what those guys have been up to in this millennium, mm. I think Straight From The Path are a bloody good alternative to that thing, if you want that thing. Um, I really like the first song. I think, again, I'm going to be saying what an absolutely huge riff quite a lot. May You Live Forever has a huge riff. It's not got a lot else, but the bounce and the whatever is amazing, intoxicating instantaneous exciting gritty raw and who you know I, I, I find it really hard to not just be like fucking great do you know what i mean like it feels fuck this just feels fucking good is it the most obvious is it the most original thing in the world not really but 
It feels fucking great when it's happening. You don't look like you agree. I, I agree entirely, to be honest. Oh, I okay, think fine. Listening to this album, I was surprised how much I enjoyed it. And, you know, I'd say, basically, there's kind of a couple of tracks that I think, yeah, I'm not so bothered about that. But uh, it's a, you know, it's a high old hit rate on this album. For about 10 albums in, who kind of do just do one thing and maybe just go a little bit more extreme at times, maybe a little bit more kind of, I don't know, accessible at times, but rarely. I was walking around the, the Bonnie streets of Leicester, just absolutely just pumping my head back, you know, like probably almost headbanging along to it. I was just like swaggering with so much, I don't know. It's, it, is it cool? I don't know if I think this album's cool, but it makes you feel fucking cool when you're listening to it. Like, even if you look like an absolute burk wandering around, just throwing shapes and shit like that. But yeah, I think those first two tracks, I'll be honest, on the first listen, they didn't grab me that much. Although Needful Things, the are you in or in the ways, the chorus, that's, that's hard. I like that. Yeah. For me, it was from three that it really kicked off. So I'd say three all the way through till until Law Abiding Citizen. Those four songs, I think, are fucking killer. And they are. They're just big riffs. And Drew York doing his sloganeering and his kind of, you know, I really like Zach Delarocca, but I also listen to Agnostic Front kind of thing. Mm. Like, yeah, brilliant. Um, Three, yeah. mate, is wicked, by the way. I mean, three yeah. has got, it sounds like Godzilla. It sounds like an actual monster. I mean, you have to say, Whatever they're doing to their guitars, because this is rare to hear such a fucking massive... Like, the, the guitarist is uh, Thomas Williams, right? And whatever he does to his guitar... Like, fuck me. Mm. That is like a fist in your bum, that <laughs> guitar tone. A big... Like, like probably sort of... Like, <laughs> <laughs> a traveling boxer fist full of rings and hair just skinned a rabbit that like a big fist right it's fucking massive and he wangs it straight up there it sounds massive like i think i feel <laughs> that i've lost some of you when i say this you've <laughs> lost me to be honest <laughs> Uh, but it, but it is it is like an absolute. You just go, oh my goodness me, that is mm. a hell of a like. His guitar tone is fucking ludicrous. It's ludicrous. Titanic, absolutely. It's fucking yeah, humongous. probably a probably a better way to put it to be honest. But oh. fine. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, great. Like Chess Candy, I think it's great. The end of Ladder Work. That they've uh, nicked some of the between song bits from the album Polar Similar by Norma Jean. I can't remember what the little bit where it's just sort of noises on that album is called the the track uh they've also stolen the riff from you've seen the butcher by deftones yeah they have done that like, definitely you, like lads if you're listening you you you've nicked that haven't you you have done you've that. nicked that wholesale nicked that you haven't even attempted to hide the fact that you've stolen that at all no like you're like muse for for a couple of seconds you're basically muse you've stolen something so egregiously and obviously that we have to go tut tut and point it out. That doesn't mean it's not good. It's still a very, very good song, unlike the stuff on the Muse album. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I think it definitely needs to be pointed out. You you have nicked that. We've we've all seen it. You nicked that. Yeah, but I think to be fair, straight from the path, I mean it is kind of a you know, a bit of a slap on the wrist moment. But they are uh, I'd say they're more than it, but they are ostensibly the sum of their influences, aren't they? Which as you say is Rage Against the Machine yeah. and New York Hardcore. So I don't know. Is it a massive surprise that they might nick a riff that then sort of, you know, becomes a bit of a motif at one point on the album? I don't know. Nah. I, I'm not going to go too hard on them for that. I mean, it, it's no, a great no, song no. to rip off as well. You've seen The Butchers of Fucking Great song belter. to rip off. Yeah. 
great song to rip off and they have ripped it off um <laughs> but yeah i mean you know this has so many fucking great riffs on it i think your man on the mic as you mentioned drew is having a bloody lovely time slagging off everybody in positions of power and he's got mm. some really really catchy instantaneous things that you go well that's gonna sound good you, you whack them on a big sort of maybe like third stage at download or wherever like quite high up the bill which is where i imagine they probably would yeah. exist and yeah like really good really good mm. like uh, I, I again i i didn't really expect to enjoy this as much as i did but i do yeah I, I felt exactly the same i thought yeah there'll be like one or two tracks in it that are quite like especially for an album 10 albums in i was like oh you know i don't expect the hit rate to be that high but to be honest there's probably only two that i kind of find a bit forgettable and that would be uh law abiding citizen and neighborhood watch just don't do masses for me but you know they still sound good and they're they're a fun time um i think guillotine would be the high point for me though the the lead single i think that off with their fucking heads refrain at the end oh you just want to batter someone don't you yeah always well yeah for you um, obviously oh right okay, <laughs> to that song oh just in general um yeah man it's uh it's fucking excellent um that song really fucking excellent and there's a lot of moments which it, at least match it i would say mm. euthanasia by stray from the path go and check it out if you want to jump up and down and bang your head i'll tell you what i will say like when you say walking around the streets of leicester <laughs> banging your head when anonymous came out i got sent it i was sort of aware of stray from the path but i'd never really listened to them before properly and when anonymous came out back in 2013 i want to say uh, yeah, it would have been because I was listening to it when I was in Edinburgh. I was doing the Edinburgh Fringe, oh. my last Edinburgh Fringe. One of the most miserable months of my entire life, if you're asking. And I got sent that to review whilst I was in Edinburgh. And I remember walking around the historic streets of Edinburgh, listening to like Badge and a Bullet Ooh. and feeling like I'm going to push a bin over in a minute. <laughs> oh, careful. I'm going to wee in a gravel bin. Oh, God. Gonna, Lock gonna up your throw, doors. I'm going to throw this can of tango that I've half drunk on the floor in front of a member of staff outside of shoe. <laughs> what are you going to do about that? Fuck the system. But yeah, I was really like, I used to walk around and be properly like strutty McStrutterson. Mm. I think during that period, I got that and the the good TRC album together. So I was a proper like white idiot. Aggie lad. <laughs> <laughs> Aggie white idiot. Uh, yeah, go on. Anyway. It's out now. Straight from the path, euthanasia. Uh, let's just go on to what may become something of a regularity here on the show. Not every week, but we occasionally want to do a guilt trip. So there are things that you shouldn't feel guilty about anything you listen to, right? You can enjoy what you like. That's absolutely fine. That's the mantra by which we live here on the podcast. But there are occasional albums where you go... Or I go, maybe you do too, Sam. We can go, look, I can see this isn't actually that good. Mm. It's not that well made. It's not that good, but I still like it. You have some sort of nostalgic feeling towards it. Or it's made by a band that you feel are kind of embarrassing and silly and overall a bit awful. But yet you find yourself loving that nonetheless. And there will be people listening who will like to go, fuck that band. They're rubbish. They're no good. They're crap. They suck. They're stupid. You're idiots. But we're going to present the case for the defence. One each for an album that we liked. On the surface, we probably wouldn't normally be that keen on. But weirdly, we are. I'm going to do mine first. I hope you don't mind, of Sam. Of course not. Because how could anything go before 
The Great Malenko by the Insane Clown Posse is what I have picked. Yes, you have. <laughs> Released on the 24th of June, 1997. It is the fourth album by the serial killer clown things. Whatever they are. The rap band. Years before the gathering of the Juggalos. Years before they questioned magnets. They were this weird little Detroit rap outfit talking about the Grand Carnival and six Jokers cards, which each of their albums represented. Um, and they would see the end of the world, which is pretty good lore, I thought, Insane Clown Posse. Like, pretty good lore, whatever you think of their music. Pretty good lore to be like, oh, we're clowns and we've discovered this thing and it's going to be the end of the world and it's going to be six albums and then the world will end. Ah, oh, God. Um, as I said, it came out on the 24th of June, 1997. I haven't actually officially found it anywhere, but I think it got a UK release on the 28th of October because I think it came out the same day as Around the Fur by Deftones because I bought both of them on day of release in the UK, if my memory serves me right. Don't quote me on that, but that was a bloody good day, if you're asking. <laughs> um, I have picked this because I don't know what I did, right? But the other week... I just had Halls of Illusion just plunk into my brain. And I was like, huh, Halls of Illusion by Insane Clown Posse. What a funny song. What a silly song. What a silly band. I bought that album the day it came out. I went to see Insane Clown Posse at the LA2. Oh, did you now? On this tour. Mm. Yeah, which was pretty rubbish to be perfectly <laughs> honest. I thought it was going to be a big show. And it was basically like two little trampolines. <laughs> A suitcase full of fizzy soda and a man in a gorilla in a in a papier mache cage dressed as a gorilla dancing in the background. That was it. And two clowns miming to their own song. So it wasn't the best it wasn't the best. It wasn't the best show that I've ever been to, I'm not gonna lie. But on first listen to uh The Great Milenko back in the day, I was a bit like, What is this? This is completely ridiculous and stupid. But as the time went on, I started finding myself being like, that's quite funny. Oh, that's quite catchy. Oh, that's quite good. Oh, this is quite unusual. Oh, that's quite a good idea for a song. And years and years and years and years and years later, not only do I, A, know every word to this record, every single fucking word to this record, I could sing back to you right now. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. But I could, right? I... I've gone back to it when I decided to do this. I mean, this basically inspired this, basically. Like, I listened to this album and I was like, this is legit fucking weird and unusual and a lot more creative, I think, than people give Insane Clown Posse credit for. I fucking am going to pin my colours to the mask, Sam. The Great Malenko by Insane Clown Posse is a good album. There you go. Okay. I mean, that's not quite as high up the mass as I thought you were going to say. I thought we were going to be like, it's the best album of 1997. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> it's a genuinely... Okay, no. It is a genuinely good record made by some talented people. And it is, it's got that rare thing of actually being funny mm. uh, without... Are they a comedy band? I mean, they're kind of a comedy band, but they're kind of not... They're kind of silly, but... They, they're occasionally very funny. They are occasionally. They're occasionally yeah. legit funny. Yeah. yeah, I mean, for me, you know, I, I'd not listened to this album before because 
why would I, basically? Unless I bought it on the day it came out and had some strange affinity for it. Why would I ever listen to all 67 minutes of The Great Milenko? Um, but in advance of this, when, so behind the scenes kind of peak, Steve said, oh, we're going to do this new feature, basically because I want to talk about Insane Clown Posse. It's like, cool, yeah, go for it. Because I know all the words to Hocus Pocus, because I've been listening to that song for a fair few years, I think since you brought it up uh, on um, the Metal Hammer podcast with Gil way back in the day. Way back. Yeah. Way back in the day. You're quite right. Yeah, I did bring it up then. I don't know what, again, what possessed me 15 years after it came out to go on the Metal Hammer podcast and talk about Insane Clown Posse. It's almost like... I deliberately was trying to alienate myself from the people that were listening to that podcast, isn't it? But I wasn't, I actually wasn't doing that at that point. I just <laughs> thought, oh, people will really appreciate me chatting about Insane Clown Posse. Bizarre, completely bizarre and stupid thing to do, but I did do mm. that. And 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 I was just like, I don't think I even listened to it when I brought it up at that point. But fuck me, funny, a funny, it's a funny record. It's a funny, fun, silly, OTT quite you know ragtag record but I, it, it is it is it's actually good it's actually good i think there are bits of it that genuinely are good like hocus pocus i do think is a good song i prefer the headhunters remix if you're asking obviously i haven't heard that for oh me. mate that's oh. that's the version that you hear in the music video it's the one that basically sounds like they've just stolen Cypress Hill's entire kind of backing track thing and then put Insane Cloud Posse over the, top, over the top of it. It's great. That's awesome. I mean, obviously, what is a juggalo? Oh, I think that was the one that you referenced on the mm. podcast because Gil was saying something about like, oh, what's that Insane Clown Posse? And obviously it's a dip of nuts in your soup. Bloop. Bloop. Oh, fantastic. Mm. Yeah. Um, so there's so many lines on what is a juggalo. I listened to what is a juggalo. <laughs> Uh, in in preparation for this and I was like is this still going to be funny or is it just going to be like cringy and stupid and rubbish and there's some lines in what is a juggalo that still feel kind of hilarious and surprising to me like what is a juggalo a fucking lunatic somebody with a rope tied to his dick right where are you going with this lads then he jumps out a 10 story window and then the sound of somebody plumbing for a window and it going boing, 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 and then they just go oh like that <laughs> that is fun. that is a good that is a good line i mean it shows that <laughs> they don't they can't rap anything like it's like oh if we just go oh then it'll sort of rhyme and I'd sort of, like, bless him just for being like, we couldn't be bothered to think of him. We got to rope tied to his <laughs> yeah. dick. And then we were like, oh, fuck it. Do you know what I mean? He'll eat Monopoly and shit out Connect yep. Four. Well, what, the f- <laughs> what the fuck are you on about? But it's somehow, it's somehow brilliant poetry, I think. <laughs> Move over, Ian Curtis. Um, I mean, for me, there, there <laughs> are moments on it that, I, as I say, I do genuinely enjoy. Uh, Hocus Pocus, what is a juggalo? Not sure I do enjoy the Nedden game. I think that's just a bit grimy, but they're kind of, you know, fitting with the, the feel of it all. Um, there are moments... Of- there's a few. There's, there's, a, there's, few, a, yeah. there's a few on this. I mean, I would say, you know, like Southwest Voodoo seems uh, culturally insensitive, shall we say, in 2022. Yes, more more than just a little bit. I mean, for me. Um, so, yeah, I think intro and the great milenko do without them bin them off. Hocus Pocus and Piggy Pie. That's all right. That's a nice little one-two. How many times? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Dear Lord, what a dreadful, dreary song how many times is. 
Really? They like getting. He judges my life. What are you on? How That's many times? Well, how he many fucks times? his wife. He plays his balls. He fucks his ugly wife. And he judges my life. Like, he's fucking. Can you not feel um, how many times? Can you not feel the frustration that Violent J <laughs> has for, you know, shit burgers and getting a parking ticket? And I think, you know, he's, t- he's tapping into something quite real mm. there, actually. I think occasionally he taps into some. You know, South of Foodie, Hall of Illusion. What is a Juggalo? House of Horrors, Boogie Woogie Woo, <laughs> Ned and Game. Yeah, fine. Yeah, they're all silly songs. But occasionally, you get a How Many Times. You get a Pass Me By. You get a, a well, Hall of Illusions actually is quite mm. serious because it's saying that, you know, like, this is what you could be if you weren't such a shit. A stupid ass dumb fucking idiot. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Interesting you've skirted over uh, one that I wanted to bring up because I found uh, a 1997 interview uh, archived from Insane Clown Posse's website with Violent J talking about the track Under the Moon. Mm. He says, Under the Moon is one of the Amy's in the Attics or Joke Your Mind type of songs. It's all serious and shit. That's why we put it at the end of side one on the new Milenko so all the hardcore ninjas can just fast forward and flip the tape. Fast forward? I've never said that. I say fast because I'm from the Midlands. Anyway, um... But for the other ninjas who are like me and sometimes dig the serious shit, it's about this kid and his girlfriend in high school. Somebody tries to rape the girl, so the kid shoots him in the face and goes to prison for life. All for his bitch, I might add. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Violent, Jay. Come on, man. That's... that's... Well, that's what it is about. It's about... It's a crime of passion in a, a song. A crime of pa- and then she goes off with somebody a crime else. Of passion about his and bitch. he's annoyed. I just I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe I'm just a bit well, woke. Well, you know, he's using the popular. He's using the popular. Wait, you're doing that thing. You're doing that thing. You're taking him out of context. Fucking twenty five years after he said it, and you're going, oh, you shouldn't have done that twenty five <laughs> years ago when that was the popular yeah. vernacular of the era. And to some extent, it still is. You can't have a go at Violent J for that. I actually think Under the Moon is again another example of like good storytelling within a song you know somebody tries to do something to his girl he gets revenge he goes to prison and it's all about the frustration he feels whilst mm. in prison while she's just like oh thanks for that see you later and she goes and off with someone else i mean you could say it's a little bit incel you could say that i mean you could uh i'll leave that up to you i think you're going to listen to it yourself make up your own mind definitely go and listen to this whole album definitely <laughs> Um, just listen to Hocus Pocus and the Headhunters remix as well. Do that one. I, I, I'm, you know, there's too much. Tonally, it's all over the place. Admittedly. Yeah, yeah. Quite like that. Quite like the fact that you don't know what you're going to get from song to song. Is this insane clown posse trying to make a a, a positive uh, statement into the world and talk about the, the the world in general? Piggy Pie, I think, even though Piggy Piggy Pie is, you know, a sort of satirical um allegory for for greed and wealth and the the distrib- the redistribution of wealth unfairly mm. s- spreading throughout the world truly done the, the marks the and angles of horrible <laughs> yes <laughs> very much done uh to the story of uh the three little pigs which is fine um but in, in reverse and features steve jones from the sex pistols in it slash is on halls of illusions i'm sorry like you know look i'm not going to go to bat for anything else that insane clown posse have done it's a bit like what we were saying with, you know, Straight From The Path, where I was like, ah, I didn't feel like I needed too much of it before. Mm. I mean, I'm sure Straight From The Path will be delighted to be compared <laughs> to the Insane Clown Posse, but um, even even less so. Like, I need one Insane Clown Posse album, and I do need it, by the way. I do actually need it. And um, would I get rid of, you know, Station To Station by David Bowie for 
uh, for for this album? Uh, no, probably not. But I would be very upset at having to make that choice. I've got to be honest. I want this album in my life. I'm glad it exists. Mm. I think it's legit funny sometimes. It's daft as shit. If you're a serious hip hop head, of course you're going to go, this is not taking the art and the craft that I adore so much and have spent so much time agonizing over and and, and obsessing over my life. Like if you're a deep fan of hip hop, you're going to listen to this and be like insulting. This is an insulting, stupid, uh, like ridiculous record. And it is in a lot of ways, but as a kind of ludicrous pop metal thing, I'm having it. I am having it. I think this is a good album. And, you know, fuck you and the moon, if you don't agree. <laughs> uh, I can't say... Out of 10? If I was being generous, I'd give... I'd probably... No, not even being generous. I'd say this is a 6 out of 10 for me. I don't think this is a bad album at all. I think it's a fucking mess for the majority of it. Sometimes it's funny. Sometimes it's pretty fucking pathetic. Um <laughs> And like all the way through, I was thinking, oh, like, oh, would Pathetic. I would I say that to like Violent J and Shaggy too, dope? And then I remember them, or was it Shaggy trying to drop kick Fred Durst? And I think I could probably yeah. say whatever I liked to him, and he'd probably just like fall over doing a comedy punch or something. So Violent J's a big lad now as well. He is a big I mean, lad. He's a he's a he's a chunk. He's a chunker. He he's is put on is. a few pounds. Um, How's the trampoline holding think... up with that? <laughs> well, we, we again. You know, we we don't know, do we? Um, we if only we could ask them. Uh, I'd love to get Violent J. God, if I could fucking interview Violent J on this <laughs> podcast. Oh, God, would I do that? Would of course I fucking would. Six out of ten. I think you're a deeply dislikable and disagreeable human being now, Sam. I've changed my entire opinion of you. This is an eight minimum. <laughs> it's a great record. I'm looking at the track list in here. What would I take out? Nothing wouldn't take anything out wouldn't take a single wouldn't change a single second of it i mean you didn't that makes it sound like a 10 yeah i was gonna say you didn't need to look at the track list though did you steve you were just doing that for dramatic effect you know this album inside out you know every lyric yeah (gasps) boogie woogie 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 yeah fucking this is a great record and you know i I will defend this record to the day i die. i i I genuinely this is not a joke by the way this is not a Andy Gillen from Palm Reader still thinks I'm joking and I don't really like you too. I'm not joking. This is good. This is actually good. I think this goes back to what Tom was saying a few weeks ago on on the uh, Hellbent for Riot Act uh, mashup. When you're talking about music, I think good and bad are so subjective. I don't think you've... Uh, for me, I don't know that I feel that you've objectively won me around that this album is worth 67 minutes of my time multiple times across the rest of my pathetic existence <laughs> all right fine go and listen to fucking station to station then uh, <laughs> oh that's much worse isn't it yeah <laughs> yeah yeah um c minus in entertainment weekly okay two out of five in the rolling stone album club um, album guide fucking scum <laughs> rats See, even are. even i agree that's too low yeah i you know uh, i like it but there we go. The Great Milenko by the Insane Clown Posse. I don't feel that I did enough of the lyrics from that album throughout us ch- chatting about it. Um, Do you want to but, you know, ha- stick one in now? Just, for, you know, treat yourself. Uh, 
what one any requests on uh, any particular one well it, i'd have to say them wouldn't i so i could do it for you if you want that might be a treat for you <laughs> go on what, what 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 lyrics stuck out to you when you listened to it uh what is a juggalo he just don't care he might try to put a weave in his nut hair <laughs> as if that's not funny and to be, yeah yeah what what is a juggalo is one that i sing that is a good song yeah, yeah. it is yeah, it is. It's, it's really fucking good. I have got a massive affinity as well for Shazam. Bam! Shaggy like a locust, shaggy the clown back like scoliosis. Call me a psycho schizo freak and I'll call you by your name, Dick Anus. <laughs> yeah, Brilliant. Very, Brilliant. very good. I let your bitch go, but you can fetch a bone. <laughs> go along, sugar titsy ain't coming home at the end of uh, House of Horrors. Oh, Classic. yes, of course, yes. Seminal. <laughs> What if I grew another fucking head and his name was Violent Ed <laughs> and he headbutt me every time I cussed. I would need two microphones with a bust. Fucking great. He's imagined. He's what other like, yeah, go on, Kanye. Do a rap about growing another head and it headbutting you. Yeah. Yeah, you can't, can you? Go on, Kodak yeah. Black. Go on, Jay-Z. Go on, Jay-Z. Go on. Go and invent J-Ed coming out of you like head. No, you can't can't because you're not as good as the insane clown posse i mean i've i've gone overboard here. yeah um looking insane clown posse great malenko if you haven't listened to it honestly like yes insane clown posse are ridiculous of course they are but i think for there was a brief moment in time where i went good yes and i stand by mm. it fuck you better than you two i agree <laughs> don't like that uh the killers hot fuss is your pick, Sam. The debut studio album from the Las Vegas rock band released on 7th of June 2004 in the United States of America and on the 15th of June that year here in the United Kingdom. This is a massive album. It's massive. It peaked at number one on the UK album chart, number seven on the US Billboard Top 200. It has gone eight times platinum in the United Kingdom, selling 24, sorry, 24, 2.4 million copies, three times platinum in the US, that is 3.75 million copies, 7 million copies worldwide. They are a stadium band, the Killers, the headline Glastonbury. Why would we be looking at a band as beloved and huge as the Killers and saying that they could be a guilty pleasure? Why would we be doing that? I don't think it's unfair to say. Now, I'm interested where you would draw the line in kind of your relationship with the Killers, because I would also uh, bat for Sam's Town as being a good album as well, and not just because it's got a great first name on the title. Um, hey. uh, he's done it. Uh, I'd say after that, the Killers drop off a cliff so far, and it was, it's a, a long old cliff to fall off. Like, I don't think they were ever artistically kind of revolutionary or anything but i think they wrote some amazing songs whereas from i mean when did sawdust come out well i'm, I'm not going to count that because that's um b-sides and rarities when day and age came out which i think was 2008 or 9 i mean from there like the idea of telling someone that i like the killers particularly at that age was just no i, mean, I couldn't do it i would lose any shred of credibility but thankfully 14 years on from the release of this album, I have no credibility, so I'm happy to tell people how much I like <laughs> Hot Fuss. And I think Hot Fuss is a fucking storming album. Um, and I think the, the story behind the meteoric rise of Hot Fuss, particularly in the UK, is a particularly interesting one. So do you know where The Killer's first UK show was? I do not. It was at the Dublin Castle in Camden, which was... Oh. I think at the time was still only 100 cap, I believe doing bits of research it's gone up to 200 capacity this was on the 16th of september yeah. 2003 
their first ever show. And at that show, they debuted, Jenny was a friend of mine, on top, somebody told me, smile like you mean it, and also ended with an early performance of Mr. Brightside and the finale Under the Gun, which ended up on the B-sides and rarities. So they did that. Uh, One that I desperately sought out in terms of like trying to find set list and everything unfortunately there is no set list for it i would imagine it'd be broadly the same but uh on february the 29th 2004 so just a couple of months before this album came out they played a support slot to stellar star at the charlotte here in leicester which i i understand is a venue that you've played at i have yeah. so yeah. you know that yeah, the charlotte's yeah. not a massive deal like well respected tiny. well respected but a tiny little place definitely and i mean now long gone uh lost the venue arm of it way before i moved to leicester and since i've been here it's gone from well being open as a pub that was basically on the decline closed in 2017 it's now um uh, an east asian supermarket with student flats above it um so the charlotte is no more and to think that a band of the magnitude of the killers and there were plenty of others who played there but they played there february 29th 2004 by 2005 at reading and leeds festival the killers were subbing pixies return they were it's quite a jump that's it's mad, quite it? a jump uh, and i think it's totally deserved on the strength of this album i mean you talk about <laughs> the great malenko being solid from start to finish i mean how, how do you I feel think... about hot fuss by the killers now sam Ooh, go on you've brought in the killers here now now i've been quite kind of harsh about the killers before and i think um what you said about today saying oh i like the killers i mean they played southampton's stadium in the summer the killers and i just thought to myself i just can't think of two worse things to put together really like absolutely ridiculous but i was working at uh, the old mvc record shop when this record came out and it was suddenly just it was that time where suddenly an album you'd get like 50 copies of an album come in and you'd go well, what is the? I've never heard of this band before. I remember when Fallen by Evanescence came out and it was suddenly like loads of copies of, and I was like, who are this band? Like, they've just, what, we just got this album that they're just massive, are they? Like, why have I not heard of this band before? And that was sort of what happened with the Killers. And I think somebody one day just went, well, we should put it on the stereo and see what it was like. And it was very kind of 80s sounding, new wavy, synthy, all the stuff that you already know the Killers are, right? And I ended up buying it. And I thought to myself, like years down the line, I thought to myself, I probably bought that in the same way that I bought employment by the Kaiser mm, Chiefs. Yeah. In that I heard it every day and I just went, oh, I keep hearing this. I'll buy it. Like that shit can work. Mm-hmm. That can actually, like I am definitely proof that that can work because I used to buy a lot of albums that were just played a bunch of fucking times when I worked in a record shop, right? That's, that's definitely happened before often i kind of go back to them and i have it's quite hard to separate is this actually any good and do i actually like this with the nostalgic feeling of listening to it at the time um so i had not listened to this record for a long time all i the only thing really that i had listened the only way in which i had probably experienced the killers really was endless terrible covers bands in pubs Mm. or in shitty little festivals like my village had a music festival a couple of months ago and uh everybody played mr brightside mr brightside played on virgin radio played on football matches played in shit pubs played by shit covers bands played by 
the worst kind of people um, at the worst weddings or worst barbecues that you can imagine. So in my head, this album had just become Mr. Brightside. Mm. That album for people who are just not really interested in music. And, you know, I don't want to be too judgmental about it because, fine, you go and you enjoy it and whatever. But I was always like, ugh, Mr. Brightside. Ugh, 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 fuck the killers. Why did I ever listen to that? It's like that Kaiser Chiefs album, which, you know, I now listen to and go, oh, it's got a couple of, like, all right, bouncy sort of pop songs on it. Apart from that, it's kind mm. of rubbish. And I went back to it when you suggested it. And fucking hell, this is amazing. It's so good, isn't it? This album's amazing. This album's amazing to the point where I nearly went, now nah, fuck this, we're doing it as a classic album one day. Whoa, okay. Because it's brilliant. It's a brilliant, brilliant record. Totally removed from context completely. This is a brilliant record. Undoubtedly, undeniably it is. Like, so much of this is great. And I tell you what, within the confines of this record, taken on its own and with all of the context I've just described removed, Mr. Brightside is a it good It really song. fucking is. I think Mr. Brightside is a great song. And the problem is, it's where you hear it. It's because it's so massive and omnipresent. It's like, say... You'd probably do a better job at standing up for this than me because I don't like the band inherently. But it is like Wonderwall. Like Wonderwall, I'd, I would never say it's a bad song, but it's so overplayed and it is so just ubiquitous, particularly in British culture. And you hear it everywhere and you hear it at places that aren't especially pleasant. You hear it at kind of those sort of like throwbacky Manchester club nights and stuff like that. And you hear Mr. Brightside at all of these kind of quite interminable, uh, interminable places that are fun to visit, but you don't really want to be there that long. And it comes on all the time. And I think the other one, Seven Nation Army. Seven Nation Army is a great song that's been co-opted by the worst kind of most loutish sort of people who just, you know, obviously for you, there's the football connotation. For me, it was being at Download in 2017 and the, oh, Jeremy Corbyn, which did start at Download before it happened at Glastonbury for the record. So take that. We get we get everything first, yeah. don't we? Um, yeah, uh, yeah. It, it's it's undeniably a really good song. I mean, I think it comes in between. You know, this opening. I mean, the opening five songs, which are all singles, mm. I believe. Like Jenny was a friend of mine, which I don't know if that, that was one was. But Jenny no. was a friend of mine. But. No, but but that as an opening track, I'd forgotten how fucking because that was the one that made me go. As soon as we put it on, I was like, holy mm. shit, this is. That fucking bass line is amazing. It's amazing. And it's amazing. I remember, so when this came out, I was, um, I'd not long moved to Norwich and was in sort of middle school, which basically meant I was staying until year seven rather than starting secondary school in year seven. Blah, blah. Not very interesting. But I was starting to sort of make new friends and stuff like that as the record came out. And one of them, he was into his indie music and I was, you know, starting to become quite a prick metalhead where I was just like no no Iron Maiden and that's it rubbish go away and he was saying mate listen to how heavy the bass is on that song and I was like no it can't be and then listen to it at home in private and I was like oh god it's really really good what a fantastic not only bass line but even just the performance of it it's got such a kind of it's got a surprising amount of bite to it and bite is not really it's yeah, not a so. word that I would associate with this album at all yeah, that bit with she said she loved me, but she had nowhere to oh. go. Like that, that is cool as fuck, that yeah. bit. And then it goes into Mr. Brightside, which as soon as it, like, so when I put the album on, I was like, God, this song's fucking brilliant. And then it goes into Mr. Brightside. And because I was a bit like, you know, kind of 
uh, seduced by the first song. I was like, oh, okay, well, mm. let's go with it. And by the end, I was like, I feel my knee go. And I was like, oh, this is unbelievably catchy yeah. and it's actually genuinely quite good. Smile Like You Mean It, I think mm. it's brilliant. Again, like that kind of Lausch electro pop, like sort of sexy Vegasy thing is very good. Somebody told me is really good as well. Like undoubtedly it's a good song. All these things I've done, uh, again, like Lausch and sexy and slinky and really good. Um, Andy, you're a star. I think it's good on, on, I've, it's just songs I'd forgotten yeah. about. It's like, the, believe me, Natalie on top, on top is it's wicked. fucking great. And that was the one where I looked at the track listing before I revisited this album properly. It was like, I don't remember that one. And I can't believe that that's one that I forgot over like Midnight Show or something, for example. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think it may be sort of the last couple of songs from Believe Me, Natalie. I think the last couple maybe it dips in terms of quality a little tiny bit because I think everything up to that point is very, very, Solid. very good at all, as well, uh, uh, indeed. And, you know, change your minds on the US version, but we got as the UK version glamorous indie rock and roll, which I think is a better song. Again, I mean, yes. I remember thinking that was pretty good like back in the day i thought it was pretty good and um it it's still pretty good i mean it's again i think it's the greatest song on the record but it's it's very good i mean this has got some seriously big shit named by i mean greatest albums of q's lifetime 86 to 2010 number 17 um Mm. 10 greatest debut albums of all time in 2013 rolling stone it ranked at number nine yeah, I mean the one the one for me is uh, the US like gig wise their readers voted on the best debut album of all time and they said this was it which is wrong like I love this album but that is wrong yeah not that like, is it? I mean to be honest, I'm not sure it's in the top ten debut albums of all time but it's a fucking good one did you also come across the um, enemies 500 best albums of all time where it was uh, 495 mm-hmm. it was one place above. Uh, an album called Album by Girls in 2009. I don't know that. don't know if you do. No, I don't think I do, actually. Yeah. I've never heard of that. It was one below The Head on the Door by The Cure. Bloody hell. Which, to be honest, seems a bit low for The Cure for me, 494. But anyway. It's not the greatest Cure album, is it? I mean, I'm sure there are other Cure albums in that list, I would imagine. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, looking at... Uh, some of the award nominations it got as well, like nominated for a Grammy at the 47th annual awards for the best rock album. Uh, I've decided to sort of, I don't know if you came across this again, I've decided to sort of tier it from best to worst and then the winner. Um, so we've got The Delivery Man by Elvis Costello and the Imposters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but, but, but Contraband by Velvet Revolver. Okay. That's a good album. Yeah. The the Reason by Huberstank. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and the Killers was in there as well, um, and of course the rock album Grammy was won by Green Day's American Idiot, yeah. your favourite. So yeah. much good. Uh, they were nominated for Best International Album at the 2005 Brit Awards as well, um, alongside. And d- this is not a bad lineup. Bar well, the third one I'm about to mention here, Speaker Box: The Love Below by Outkast. Amazing, amazing album. I know this is in the era that you're not so fond of them on, but it's got a banging single on it. How to Dismantle an Atomic Bomb by U2 was also nominated in that category. Well, that won the Grammy for the album of the year. That was a big... I mean, I don't Mm. think... I went back to it, and it's certainly better than some of the stuff they've put out in the aftermath of it, and it's probably... 
it's probably better than no yeah it's better than pop it's better than pop it's all right yeah that's got a couple of good Um, songs on it yeah okay well in amongst those and the killers uh i think the absolute stinker uh of the nominees uh songs about jane by maroon five no don't need that yeah not good uh but that uh actually one that i don't know if i could even justify it as a guilty pleasure because it's it's they're a great band that uh, award was won by the Scissor Sisters with their self-titled debut, and I got a lot of time for the Scissor Fucking Sisters. Fucking love that record, wicked. Mm, yeah, they're great. Brilliant. Um, so yeah, I mean, look. To be honest, I, I like this album so much that I bought Sam's Town the day it came out. Mm. I actually went out and bought it with my own little pocket money on the day it came out, and I was super excited for it coming out as well. I was really legit excited coming for it coming out, and I thought, you know, particularly as you know, when when you were young was the first single, which I thought was really good. I have to say, I think Sam's Town is a bit rubbish. Uh, so I I think Sam's Town for me is the is a great follow up. It's not a patch. Well, not even not a patch. I think it's not massively dissimilar in quality for me. I think it's pretty solid all the way through. I would probably need to revisit them and A B them in a very short space of time. But to my as I sort of vaguely recall. Hot Fuss, I think, is solid start to finish. I think Sam's Town, it's got one song on it, which is the first point where I started to dislike The Killers, and then I basically like nothing after. What would be that point? Uh, where the White Boys Dance, which, to be fair, I believe was a bonus track yeah. on Sam's Town. Yeah. yeah that was, would be yeah. the first one where I was like, yeah, this is something I've heard from them that I don't like. And then on the following album, Day and Age, there's one song that I like, which is... I quite like Space Man. I think that's a nice kind of pop song. After Space Man. Yeah. Oh, oh I you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I hate Better Bones. than that, mate. I hate Bones. I thought I couldn't believe that was a big uh, single. I think it's crap. Um, Day and Age, yeah, not great. And then I think Battleborn. I'm never. I'm looking at their discography now. Never listened to Battleborn. Uh, never listened to Wonderful, Wonderful. Imploding and Rock. Never listened to that. And they had one out last year, Pressure Machine. I have not really... Like, I slag off the killers. It's basically because I thought Sam's Town and Day and Age were rubbish. And then he went weird. And I just sort of went, ah, oh, fuck that band. And it was sort of... And then, you know, Mr. Brightside would always come on at places where I didn't want to mm. be. And I think that's sort of what's done it for the killers for me. Yeah, in terms of being a, a guilty pleasure or a band who aren't very good or whatever. I mean, I suppose, really, it's kind of shitty of me to be like, I've heard three of your albums and I really like one of them and I don't care about the other two. And you've got four more, which I haven't heard, but fuck you, you're awful. Like, maybe they are, maybe they're not. I don't really know. I shouldn't really say anything about them. But in terms of it being a guilty pleasure, I don't think Hosp hot fuzz should be a guilty pleasure at all although i can see why people listening i'm sure if you're at home listening going you're being nice about the killers you're mm. being nice about the killers are you we are we are being i mean yes. i my niceness to the killers basically extends to that first record i'm not i don't like sound sound don't like day and age and i haven't listened to the rest so but so broadly you would go because i didn't well, because i didn't like those two that much so i was just like nah but you know, whatever. Like, <laughs> whatever, man. Like, if you like the Killers, good for you. You shouldn't yes. feel guilty about it. They're a massive band. They probably don't give a fuck whether or not I like them or not. Um, and certainly, for one album, one album alone, they um, they very much captured something which I enjoy a lot. So yeah, good album good i think it's a good band steady <laughs> no um, no that's the point steve that's the point of that's why they're here yeah <laughs> yeah yeah uh but it is a good pick and, and you are quite right and I, I like weirdly i 
wouldn't mind. I would have maybe gone, oh, we could do that as a classic album one day. But, you know, fuck it. We've done it now. We've sort of done it as yeah. a classic album. But if you do want to go and listen to a classic album, it's patreon.com forward slash right act podcast. You should have some content coming up very soon for that. Thanks very much for listening. We appreciate that. We appreciate you. Next week, uh, I don't know what we're doing next week. I think there's... I said this a few weeks ago. There's a new Rena Sawayama album. It's been bloody put back, hasn't it? The Rena Sawayama album. So hopefully we get fingers crossed the Rena Sawayama record. And um, uh, yeah, that'd be uh, that'd be good. See you later, everyone. Thanks, Sam. Thanks for coming on. You're welcome. Thank you for having me once again. Back once oh. again. The psychotic, powerful creatures of darkness. Hocus pocus, say... jokers rise. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> good. I nearly went back once again. I was going to do with the Renegade Master, but you've. I'm doing something better. You're doing something much better. Way better. (laughs) All right. Anyway, see you later, juggalos.